Welcome to Adam versus the man. It's been two weeks and Joey is home. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Mary Jane is back in Gardenia. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Wednesday. We have three, not one, not two, but three guests tonight. All yesterday, you know how many guests we had scheduled for tonight's show yesterday? Zero. Now we have three and I, I am excited for all of them. Uh, we have, of course, Jane Igar, who you probably know. We haven't heard from him in months. The Turbine guy. Big deal with what we got going on. Gardenia, independent energy. I, I know this is like, oh, yeah, we're going to hear about Adam talking about a wood-burning stove and a wind turbine. But, yeah. It, you know, uh, I, I do want to I, I do want to interrupt myself for all the sidebars that I wanted to share this week and forgot. One of them is uh, Julian Assange. If people are looking for a cause to get behind right now, there is a critical point in his legal process fighting extradition to the United States, and it is a big, important case. The reason I thought of that, goofy aside, if, if, if you're not if you're not immediately up on what's going on with Julian Assange, I'm I'm not super familiar. Uh, just glancingly at you know I've been following and so of course overall over the years and WikiLeaks and uh, uh, Chelsea Manning. Now I don't even remember what Chelsea's original name was. I'm so Brad. undead name Brad. Bradley because I do refer to her as Bradley Manning Bradley. when referring to her when she was not a her. And that was when she went back. So it's appropriate to say Chelsea Manning leaked that footage. But it's also appropriate to say Bradley Manning did that or as Bradley Manning. I am absolutely respectful of trans every human being. Being identified as, I'm not respectful of everybody's decisions. Don't get me wrong. So a lot of fucked up shit in that realm. But generally, I'm. You want to be dressed a certain way. You identify a certain way. Your mind is more important than your body in terms of who you are. And I respect that. So Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning, going back all that with WikiLeaks. I've been following it. Critically important. If anything, we all owe them uh, an immeasurable debt of gratitude for their activism. They're like that kind of next level activists. Both both of those people unquestionable right um and so right now julian assange is dealing with this and you know you know our friend morpheus sound morpheus morpheus thomas costanzo uh also i mean i want got some parallels with your career as an activist maybe at least in terms of duration intensity and involvement in Arizona and Phoenix and crossing paths with Ernie Hancock and his efforts a lot in similar veins of activism, right? Him more involved with crypto and Bitcoin. And that's what got him in the Penn Federal for, geez, was it three something years? Yeah. Three-ish years. Anyway, uh, he might be coming up to visit. We should have him on when he's, he's still on. I think I have to be a little bit careful about what I say with his case <laughs> publicly because I'm involved in a couple ancillary ways and i probably know some things or could say some things that if i if we're misconstrued if i said them sloppily could be uh could be used against tom in his 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 uh effort right now to get off probation um and so that's what that's what he's dealing with but he is one of the reasons is he he's he you know when he does when when it is when he has the full permission of the crown granted in writing to visit gardenia we, we should be graced with his company again. He was here when we were clearing the fence line. 
for the trees the first couple months we were out. So he's got he's got fingerprints in old gardenia, footprints in old gardenia, so to speak. Um, yeah, we got we got photos of him on the chainsaw, the the original. The, back when we were doing it with gas, remember when we had gas powered chainsaw before we went electric? We had gas powered chainsaws out here, and he put his time in. We were chatting. This is a fun long sidebar. Now you're you're now it's just. Yeah, Ed is smoking. Is it Joey's doing chores. Jim is like, Jim is just doing his admin shit. And this has turned into Uncle Adam tells his dumb dumb stories, right? Uh but no, I was Yay, I was chatting. Yeah, I was <laughs> we'll get we'll get to the smoke weed every day part in just a few minutes. You will. So uh you know, the everyday part. I've been smoking. Don't worry, I've been taking my COVID Snoop vitamins. Dog. I've been taking yes, thank you. Okay, sneak preview musical. Brought to you by Ed here. So, no, I, I was chatting with Tom Morpheus Costanzo. And he, he's like, I'm surprised you're not doing more for a song. He won't give me one of those. I'm like, what do you like? I mean, I've been working with Steve Pacoinen and uh, uh, I interviewed uh, Andrew for Assange. And, you know, I've been I, I, I've been connected with the network of activists around, uh, you know, the, the Assange support and. I've interviewed them regularly and they, they send me stuff to retweet. And I, I wasn't able to go. There was a, there was a day of rallies for Assange. Uh, what, like two weeks ago, I, I couldn't do that, but I retweeted a promo for it. You know, like, and, and that's, that's where I'm at. Cause there's so many causes like that. And so Tom got on me and was like, how come you're not on Assange more? And I'm like, I wholeheartedly support Assange. I was just like, what do, what do you want from me? You you ask, I give. Like, if it's within the realm, like, I, I you want my platform? You want an interview? Um, like, the, the, some other logistical support I can offer? Like, I, yeah, he's in that category for me. And then I said, well, what about Ross? And and everybody here knows, oh, that Ross, Ross Ulbricht, Silk Road. And it's like, you know, two two. We're, we're, it, it, it's. Sidebar to the sidebar to the sidebar. Ed and I were doing the veterans training. We'll, we'll get we'll get it. Come, remind me to come back to that with the Battle Buddies update. We did the training session this morning, and they're talking about upstream intervention. It's a big part of the Battle Buddies mission. Is like we when we say stop veteran suicides, we're not looking at we're not looking for suicidal veterans. We're looking for veterans who are doing okay, and maybe have some challenges or some impending challenges. Or that we can do some PM preventative maintenance on, and as civilians, you know, and bring them up to that, right? And it's 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 that it's like there's because there's veterans like when when a veteran commits suicide, and I'm not going to be one of these bullshit, you know, emotional appeal people. Some like some veterans who commit suicide are real are just real old fucks who like Dr. Kavorkian patients should commit suicide, and that's fine. And they're veterans, and fine, they're in that category. You know. What? Terminally ill patients who are in so much pain that they check out in a deliberate, conscientious, thoughtful way. I support assisted suicide. I support thoughtful, deliberate suicide in those medically extreme type situations, right? And I support your freedom to do that. My my point is that that veter a lot of veteran suicides, it's not the prototypical. Well, I'm 22 and I did four years and I got PTSD and I got and they gave me bad drugs, because it what the bad drugs lead to that I avoided with cannabis and you've all, y'all heard me tell the story, you know, little brown paper bag, five prescriptions, three with suicide as a side effect. No cannabis kept me from getting into that. It's not that those drugs would have led me to commit suicide like six months later. It's like, it would have put me on a bad dependent chemical path where 
now I'm dependent on government and I'm living a low expectations lifestyle and I'm working a grind job or living off my disability and being a loser and not living up to my potential. And then I get bored and then I get depressed and then I get alcoholic and then that combines with the pills and then they go through a bad breakup. And then there's a, you know, the loss in the family and then there's some logistical challenge and then your dog dies and then you're suicidal. Right. And so, they write they country songs about veterans. Yeah, veterans with cowboys hat, cowboy hats. But you know, it's 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 it's. You see what I mean? Is that veteran suicide is that sequence of events, right? So anyway, we'll we'll come back to this. Ed. Don't jump out. I know you want to jump in. That's a sneak preview. That's me teasing ahead to the Ed and Jim Home Road Battle Buddies update section of tonight's podcast. Um, but bringing it back, I said, well, you know, what about Ross? He didn't have an answer. He was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. What about Ross? How's Lynn doing? And Lynn Ulbricht, his mom, patron saint of activist mothers, Lynn Ulbricht. And uh, and he said, you know, I don't know. Something like that. And I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to install my fucking wood-burning stove and be energy independent for heat this winter. That's what I'm going to do. So back to the main topic at hand here. I, I feel like I'm always torn between this, right? And, and especially this last year and a half of unrest, uh, we went, Joey, you remember this? We went to the rally in Phoenix, you know, where I was wearing the free hugs t-shirt and tried to hug a cop. <laughs> um, so we, we haven't been entirely on the sidelines, but since then, pretty much. And it's been nice. It's been nice to sort of escape most of the bullshit from up here in the Arizona mountains and be able to look down on the rest of y'all judgmentally and be like, yeah. <laughs> okay, enjoy Babylon crumbling. Hope no pieces of it land on your head. But from here, that detachment um, is nice. It 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 also has felt like uh like like kind of being on the sidelines. You That's know, you to while all this is going down. Well, it's part of why we're getting back to the man on the street and interjecting with our media operations. Uh, some stuff like that. Our next shoot is actually, oh shit, is this on the cast this weekend? We have a new shoot. We're gonna get a whole new batch. I gotta get to the the next compilation Vegas masks COVID vaccine video. That's it's gonna be sadly, it's gonna be relevant for a fucking while. Holy shit! I, I guess the one thing I should say about COVID is that uh, the, the first rule of COVID is that you've already talked too much about COVID. <laughs> Uh, do I need more COVID vitamins to slow down tonight? I was working. I got delayed on my workout this afternoon. Didn't get to shower before the show. Was like running in here, making my uh, making my jug of creatine drink right before the show. Coming in a little little pumped. Yeah, it's this weekend. Uh, this weekend is the fair election conference with our congressman. Oh, what's his face, the dentist? Gosser. Gosar. Is that how he says it? I always fuck it up. See, if I run against him, this is the clip they're going to play to embarrass me. Be like, you don't even know your fucking congressman's name or how to pronounce it. How dare you run against him? Yeah, okay. Take this out of context. I dare you. I don't think I'm going to run against him. I really, I mean, it was one of the races that I was considering for 22. There's still like, an outside chance I might I've I've, I've so the Libertarian Party of Arizona. See, I, t- I told you we're gonna I'm, 
How long are we? I've been going for 12 minutes. I, we're gonna. I'm gonna get everything, everything out of the way this past week. And over. I've been. I've been in touch with. Yeah, let me know if it gets boring. Just shove, shove the pipe in my mouth. Uh, we've been. That came out the wrong way. Keep it out. Uh, the. Arizona Libertarian Party, you know, has been working on putting together a slate of candidates working together for 2022 with Barry Hess leading the ticket as governor candidate. And uh, where are you laughing? And Mark Victor as Senate candidate. Um, and I, if, if that's if, if they put in the support, if I can. Uh, if, what I basically told them is that if, if they're serious enough about the slate and they organize, you know, like a web team to support the whole slate or something. Right. And I don't have to worry about my website, just the content. And I don't know if they have one campaign manager who runs all the campaigns or something like that. You know, you don't talk about it in terms of, you know, shared administrative organization for a, a slate of libertarian candidates in Arizona. Like I will jump in and I will do the candidate part enthusiastically. Nothing more. Uh, that's 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 sort of like what I'm willing to do to support the party in Arizona and the party generally as a candidate going into 22. I don't know, though. I thought maybe I would be able to make it a priority starting like a few months ago and and run along a hard congressional or senate campaign i'm happy to let mark run for senate ahead of me I, in fact i told him that because i i took the, the slot last time um that, that anytime if he wanted to next time it's all it's all him and i would support him and i'm and i love him personally as a friend i love him as a marine corps veteran uh for his attitude towards militarism um and and i love him as a candidate for the lp and i i I'll, I'll I'll say this, and I don't know if he's ever going to hear it, but I, I have mixed feelings about his live and let live branding movement. I love it in spirit. I think he might be making too much of it, but he's going to be a live and let live candidate for Senate. And I enthusiastically support him having that branding experiment. What does it mean to be a live and let live libertarian and say that's what it, like as, as, a, as another way of saying voluntarist, right, in a way that to him is is more communicable, you know, like a disease to the general public that you can, you can get them to catch libertarianism if you put it in, 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 in live and let, let live terminology, as opposed to introducing a, a political philosophy term like voluntary, voluntarism, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's all the sidebars I got for now. Again, so for the show tonight, we've got Jay Nygaard joining us in about 15 minutes. Uh, we've got a Battle Buddies update. We've got stories from the road from Joey. We've got updates from Jim. And at uh, 6 o'clock Pacific time on the hour in about 43 minutes here, we are going – Jason Kessler, another defendant in the Charlottesville case. And this is really exciting. So Joey is Joey's going to give us some background on that when we get to that segment of the show at about 5 to 6. And at 6 o'clock, we're going to play the interview with Christopher Cantwell. Jason Kessler is going to join us backstage and I'll explain this again. and I'll give him the chance to explain it, but he does not want to be on air while we play the Cantwell tape for legal reasons of collusion. Cause they are being accused of things like conspiracy. You know, you get two activists in a room together and words like conspiracy start getting thrown around. Uh, all right. Last thing tonight I'm wearing uh, a little bit of a branding throwback t-shirt. Independent California is the first t-shirt for the Yes California movement. Check it out at yescalifornia.org. I'm a proud member as an Arizonan of the California Congress, uh, the Cal Yes California Congress, for California independence. And with the leadership of Marcus Ruiz Evans, 
We have weekly conference calls on Sundays that are broadcast on StreamYard or through through StreamYard to a variety of go to, they go to YouTube. He keeps he keeps the YouTube clean. That's oh gosh, I don't envy that job. But no, he does. And uh, I encourage everybody if you're free, uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time Sundays. I'm there most of the time. You can join us. It's a fun conversation about California independence, but also related themes of localization, secession, and especially lately, national divorce. And Ed, you know, for this fair election conference coming up, that might be one of our topics, more than fair elections. Although, I mean, I'm going to go up and ask Gosar, like, how can you even pretend that there are fair elections in America when the Democrats and Republicans consistently, systematically exclude libertarians? You know, I just, uh, hello? I mean, I don't know. I might ask it more pointed. We'll see how much time they allow us for questions. But let's get Jim up here. Let's get Joey and Ed on camera. Everybody now, everybody now. Everybody, bring it in. You know what's up? Yeah, bring, get close, get close. Restart. <laughs> should have packed the new peace pipe. Woo! Oh. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So let's go to Joey first. Joey's been gone for a week. Like, I got back just like in what? A in few a, hours ago? Yeah. Oh, I made it. Oh, 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 oh. Found the man's not safe because <laughs> at um, least you know it. <laughs> I saw your video. Back that before you I left, you made a joke about me in parking lots. Did you not? Well, no, I mean, it's, it's this men for obvious reasons have brains more attuned for spatial calculations. Sorry. Back to biology. I'm not, it's I'm silly talking. to pretend that pointing that out isn't sexist. I bump into things with my body and my vehicle. Or is sexist. Okay. Silly to try to call that sexist. I yeah. parallel park with my eyes closed. I, I can do that really good, but I grew up in Baltimore, so you know, coming up in Babylon, I'll do that to you. I can parallel park. I've never hit a car parallel parking, so that's good. Uh, what else happened? Uh, I had a run-in with the cops in Oklahoma. That was fun. That was interesting. And I wasn't even doing anything. I was I was I was shopping inside of the Walmart when the cop decided to come walk around my van with his flashlight. That's what I walked out to find. So that was an interesting encounter. Uh, and, and you know, it sucks because. As soon as I saw this guy, um, I went right for my pocket for my phone. But I told you, I'm clumsy and forgetful. I had left it sitting in the, <laughs> yeah. the, the whole time you're the dealing with the cop. You have to be like, oh my God, my toilet, my phone's I, in the toilet. I told him this too. And he's like, well, hold so, on a minute. That's, that's a, if that excuse worked, though, that would be the ultimate excuse to, I'm sorry, officer, you can't arrest me. My phone's in the bathroom. I left it in the stall. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> He had no grounds to arrest me. He tried to, he tried to tell me I was detained, and, and I, it's, is it based on the the visual of my paraphernalia, not this pipe, but you know, it was just a a pipe. Um, obviously, I didn't consent to a search, and when he clearly asked, and he said, "You're being detained," is it out? Paraphernalia is legal, and or it's a misdemeanor in uh, 
Oklahoma. Well, mature. Well, so he made his phone calls, and his boss told him that I was right. So that, was, <laughs> that was fun. They liked my dogs, though. That was that was really sweet. They hated the and he told me that I should be careful and I should research the laws a little bit better before I visit other states, <laughs> even, even though I was correct on the laws. <laughs> he wasn't. So that was an interesting encounter. But I mean, really, gosh, even five years ago, the the sight of that pipe would have probably given them probable cause to search my van. So that being said, great strides we're making in the drug. Yeah. 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 I mean, that encounter would, I mean, what would that have looked like three years ago uh, yeah. in Oklahoma? Oklahoma just did it. But, and I found out. No, no, tell people, Joey, what would that look like? One minute thought exercise. What would that look like three years ago or whatever prior to this? My dog legal- would be in the pound my van everything in it would be out on the curb and weed i didn't even know about would be found and held against me and then they'd they'd weigh the bags or the containers they would in so i would initially get this crazy big kingpin charge most likely and god forbid that they're in separate bags for different strains because then that's a trafficking charge Uh, i don't know how close i was to a school zone either so i mean yeah you're literally three years ago uh, that could have been me looking at a 20-year sentence. How and long have you had your van? Uh, less than a year. How many months? Uh, math, eight months. Which means that you have lost more cannabis in the cracks and crevices in your van than I smoke in a month already. Just I did <laughs> I did the chance. math in my head on that real quick. Um, <laughs> a good chance. So when she says weed, I didn't even know about. Yeah, Every time probably I, clean, like I find like big nugs, like nugs, oh, I like shake, like I find nugs that just have, I figured out how it happened on the way to Mississippi. I popped open one of my little uh, containers and it, whoop, and I, I finally saw the bud just. That might still be the most mind boggling part about cannabis legalization so far for me is that you, you can, you don't have to care that much anymore what oh sorry let me go back like and i told the officer this too he's like be more careful don't leave your stuff out i'm like well i'm trying to normalize cannabis it's it's legal here it's like i guess there's no reason and i I get to teach you a lesson asshole no hold on let me go joey joey when i was in high school we bought and i was super super lucky in new mexico in the late 90s we were able to get like 80 dollar ounces of mexican dirt weed, paraquat, trash compactor crap. And I smoked or drank the bong water with every last fucking trichome in that bag. I licked the bag, okay? It did not go to waste. <laughs> and then and then it's like, I, I see you today. My, my little like high school boy inside of me sees you smoking six bowls a day plus. And I'm like, and then like, oh, I dropped a half a bowl. Whoops. <laughs> like that blows my mind. Like that was, oh no, no, like weed in the hand. It's worth ah what are you doing? Well speaking of eighty dollars drug abuse. And she leaves weed out on the Ed, have you seen her do this? She leaves good weed on the table and I come back and it's like smoke it before it dries out. Like it's I dry. already know that. Yeah, no, you don't. You get stoned and you come back to the office the next day and oh yeah, I'm gonna I got a pile of really crumbly weed and I'm gonna smoke a funky dry bowl. Okay. It all goes down to still, still <laughs> but then half the time dog tail or wind or you lose like you you didn't smoke it so fast you lose so much you still lose a lot of weed so i i oh my gosh it was my i had this 87 monte carlo 
And of course, in the center console, same thing. There was just weed for years that I had been driving this vehicle around, falling out. And when we finally sold it, he um, he cleaned out the center console with a <laughs> cat hair and God knows what else. Like there might have been McDonald's French fry crumbles in there for all I know. And uh, I smoked it. I, I didn't. I didn't. Is this cash or French fries? Well, hey, Joe, we, we've only got a few That's minutes. That's drug abuse. Okay. We, we've, we've only got a few so minutes. Here, I figured out why they're so hard in Oklahoma, though. Let me let me get to okay. this. Oklahoma, their license, their their regulations are super loose, so anybody can get a a license, and there are hundreds of thousands of growers all over. So Oklahoma. that gives cops a lot of leeway and no it's got the market regulated down to the cost that weed should be i saw 90 uh -huh. cents per gram on weed mass. no okay 90 cents per gram for shake and then like the most wow. expensive you saw was like three dollars per gram yeah. so people are actually coming from colorado to get no, hold on, hold on, let me, hold on, Joey, 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 let me get this straight what it sounds yeah. like the states like think about texas the states that legalize last are going to tend to be economically conservative. Not going to untangle or deconstruct all the bullshit in, with that term, right? Okay. Which means when they legalize, like Oklahoma, they're not going to put up with shit being overtaxed, overregulated, because they're not going to have the existing bureaucratic structure or culture to be super dickheaded statists about it to rip it off and jack the price up to even where it is in Colorado. And now we have this phenomenon. Is that is that is that right? Is that, it, that, it I think that's like? fair. The, the, the new wow. states are learning from the old that, so, states. Like New York, New York's laws are so liberal. It's this is, you this, can smoke in public in New so York. So think about what happens when Texas realizes. Think about that market. Uh, uh, it's, uh, but it goes to show you. And 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 actually, as an mm. out-of-state medical patient, I can shop in Oklahoma. But after mm. jumping through a bunch of hoops and waiting two or three weeks to get the wow. okay from the state. Uh, oh, and it's it costs All right. 100 bucks. Joy, very good point. We've only got a few minutes before Jay gets on. Jay. Can you give us the update on Mississippi? Mississippi is at a stalemate. I mean, it, they basically don't have a ballot initiative process process anymore. So for those of you who aren't aware, in November, 74% of Mississippians said yes to medical <laughs> cannabis, which was one of, if not the highest votes ever in Mississippi history. And the Supreme Court and governor blocked it with a lawsuit uh, based on the fact that you need signatures from five congressional districts, but back in 2001, they took a congressional district out so the, the fifth one doesn't even exist. And and they pull this card when they can. It's, it's like you don't make this stuff up in a movie, the, the corruption's going on down there. So there is stalemate, but this governor is new. He only, you know, he's got what, probably one term if 74, he, he got. He got twice as less, or he got 50% less votes than cannabis did by hanging out. Okay. So I don't know what he's saying. Hey, come on, come on. I don't know anybody, anybody in human history who's more popular than weed, I man. Come on. Either. Weed versus Jesus. Weed's more popular. Come on. Weed versus Buddha. Weed versus your mom. Weed, weed. Every, nobody, nobody measures up. It's an unfair standard, Joey. So they're in a stalemate. Um, you know, no amount of occupying is going to help them right now, unfortunately. And I love their efforts of, of keeping a presence. First it was monthly, then it was weekly, and then it was daily for about a week and a half. 
So you think that you think it's a movement that kind of stalled and just like holding the line until the next big legislative so fight that, or and, and election? What I recommended to them was is volunteer. I mean, that's what I did in Maryland after the new medical well, market came out. People were still being, you know, harassed and 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 you know, like demonized. So I go out, volunteer, do the food banks, pick up trash, do the the, the charity dog walk, wear your big weed shirt loud and proud, and be the most, you know charitable group in whatever it is piggyback on the back of all the cancer foundations suicide foundations make a team raise money for them show your community how awesome cannabis community is and then you have them all behind you and next time it comes up for a vote next time it comes up as a question I, you know there's there's safety in numbers i say that even though 70 <laughs> Like three quarters of this state said yes to something. I don't care what that something is, and they're blocking it. That just blows my mind. I, it I shouldn't. Even, like, there's no. I mean, it shouldn't. It's it's sort of like COVID, Joey. Just real quick, like perspective. When people say, "Oh my God, the world is ending because of COVID," I point out, look, if you could end COVID hysteria and propaganda right now, or end the Federal Reserve, which would you do? And for anybody who understands those subjects, oh fuck, you're right, Adam. Federal Reserve, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like, and I'm, I'm almost saying this to myself because I've covered COVID a lot, right? But no, I'm, we I've, never talked about. That. But I, I stay focused on, or I try at least try in all my efforts. I put in a fucking wood burning stove. What more do you want from me? You know, like I, I, I try to stay focused on that bigger effort. Anyway, we're gonna go to Jay Nygaard, the turbine guy, now who's backstage. Uh, and then we're going to get an update in about 15 minutes from uh, Ed and Jim and me and whatever on nobody's stuff. Uh, and then we're going to hear from Cantwell and uh, and, and Jason. So what, I don't know if you guys want to stay on. All right. Give, give me Jay. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jay Nygaard, the turbine guy. Jay, it's been a while. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How have you been doing down there? Excellent. Finally ready to actually hook up the turbine. And it's because I'm lazy. I, had, I actually had... Excuse me for, for inserting a sidebar. I know it's your interview, but give me give me it's my show. Give me a minute here. I know, but as a quick sidebar, I had I had like a, a homesteading epiphany uh, because I put in this wood burning stove, which I'm going to say every chance I get on tonight's episode. I put in a wood burning stove this week. Did I mention I put in a wood burning stove this hey, week? Um, I put in a wood burning stove in the cabin. Yeah. So, um, what I it, it it's really nice. It really like is. it's almost like designer nice, like it's it's too nice, and it it, it came out that way accidentally because it's salvage material and it's crude carpentry on the hearth around it and the framing intentionally so. It's not like oh I'm clumsy with the no, like I did it that way because that I know my limits and my skills and I know what I can do well and fast. And I ended up making it like perfect balanced art and it fits in the space and it's gorgeous. And if you go to what is it? T.me slash the garden of freedom and follow us on, on uh, telegram. You can get all the telegram gardenia updates. But what I realized is that like, it's too nice. I don't want it. Like I need to go start building a new house so I can like sleep on a cot in the corner. Like I'm more, and like I'm more comfortable with that. But the reason, so the reason I need to hook up the turbine now is the reason, the reason I need to hook up the turbine now is the sun is getting low in the South. We're not getting a lot of, we're not picking up a lot on our panels. And I, you know, I set them up in a seasonal way that they're just not great winter angle. Well, no solar is great. But we have, anymore. if we had that turbine hooked up right now, we'd be money for power input to the system. So now I'm motivated and I'm going to be calling you. It's about time. It's all <laughs> I got. It's, it's about time. I'm, 
I'm enjoying it as like this beautiful piece of art on my property. It's still going to be art. It's just going to be doing something. It's going to be artwork. Well, like, then, then we're going to make it like mostly covered up with the carport. You know that. It's going to be like, it's not gonna, now it's like freestanding and cool by itself. And there's going to be like a building up against it. Who's got the reverb now? Is that Joey? Yeah, okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. So, Jay, um, I, I don't know if you, I know you have stuff like in current events you want to comment on as always. Uh, but since it's been so long, uh, any meaningful updates in the world of alternative energy? Well, the biggest meaningful update is that the price of natural gas is skyrocketing. Uh, I think it's, four, it's four or five times what it was last year. And and the reason we've been able to reduce a lot of our carbon and coal and all this other stuff we're burning is because we're switching a lot of these plants over to natural gas. So now you've got the price of natural gas increasing. Yep. You've got a much higher demand. What do you think is going to happen to the price of electricity next? Dude, I did not think I could love my wood-burning stove more, but now I see dollar bills pouring out of it every time there's a beautiful fire raging in there of me not having to pay for propane because that's going up. And it's, it's oh, yeah. it, you know, the stove itself, just by random coincidence, because well, actually, I was thinking about putting one just like that in another building. Now that we've done it once, and I see, like, I you know, one I, I got it in my head. I know how to start to do it way more efficiently. The price of it went up from about four hundred ten dollars to about five hundred thirty dollars at Home Depot in one year. Yeah, one year. Yeah, less, no, I'm sorry, less than a year. That was James January, January to today. The price of a wood burning stove went up and this is this is the base model this is a relatively small one it's sort of the smallest serious one you can get that's how i would describe it right it's designed for a 900 square foot space it's perfect for our 640 foot square foot lofted cabin space it's a little little overkill even with that but it's great and it's like 410 dollars versus five like hey i'm glad i bought that thing nine months ago that's yeah, a 25% increase in one year. And I'm going to tell you, get used to it. You know, because what I see going on in society now, if I just take a step back and try to be an unbiased observer, I see the Democrats and the Chinese or whoever getting exactly what they want. They've been able to completely discombobulate this country. They've been able to get people out of work. They've been able to flood us with with non-COVID tested immigrants, however you want to put it. <laughs> and, and all we do is run around hysterically pointing the finger at each other. We're, we're self-destructing and we're creating our own problems. And all that's going to do is lead to two things. One, scarcity. And the other is the increase in cost of everything. Yeah, that, That's all that can happen now. So like you said, you're so happy you're not going to have to be buying so doggone much propane. You're absolutely right. You know what I say, wait a year or two and see what the price of electricity is. And then you're going to be thinking, you know what? When the turbine guy was talking about it back then, yeah. I should have listened to him. I should have got my own system. I should have started small. I should have maybe got a turbine or solar. I should have begun doing something because that's what's great about all these systems is you can put them in in pieces and parts and expand as you go. You know, yeah, I, Jay, Jay, no, I, I want to point out a couple of things here as practical advice, because this is so big and, and it's, it's made me appreciate, 
Because in, in the past, like, I, I bought the turbine, or uh, you gave me the turbine, essentially. You know, I, I bought my solar system. I bought my property. I bought the stove. I set up to be independent all these ways. More as a matter of principle. But you just, like, did the math for me, and it's like, holy fuck, that was as good of an investment as gold or Bitcoin. Like, yeah. how much is Bitcoin up over the last nine months? So, you know, oh, I, I know it's up a lot. And is it, but like what? 20, 30,000 or something, maybe more. Yeah, 60 something. Yeah. No, like, no. But it's, it's up, up something like 25, 50% over the past year, right? Well, my wood stove went up 25%. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty good fucking investment. And the thing is, I didn't have to secure that. Like, I didn't have to think about it. It sat in a box outside for, for nine months and gained value 25%. And you couldn't even steal it. Like no one's gonna drive out here and steal a hundred pound wood burning stove. Like right. Um, so anyway, the, 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 and the investment of the long term. But Jay, what you're making me think of is is really that at this point people should be doing the math on buying solar as an investment to defray future electricity costs based on inflationary predictions that are pretty safe right now. Even if you just extrapolate without any deviations from current trend lines. And the, yeah. the, the second thing I want to point out is that Ron Paul's most re I, I follow Ron Paul's channel on Telegram. Um, he still does the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Um, and, and by the way, we have two bonus features in tonight's show that I, I haven't mentioned. Really, we have three with three bonus features. We're going to talk about these white rose stickers. We're going to talk about how Adam learned how to use Telegram properly. Cool. And we're going to talk about the fabulous app. So stick around for all that. That's coming at the end of the show. Um, but for the you know, alternative energy with inflation, Ron Paul said, runaway inflation isn't necessarily around the corner. And I think Ron Paul has, over the years, given credibility to a, little people, to a lot of people who go one step further than him and go, the sky's about to fall by my gold. And it's like fuck you, you know, for 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 you know turning that into you know greasy sales pitch. But Ron Paul said five to ten percent inflation might be coming, and that they can oh, they right. can they can control they can keep it from being runaway, and they can keep the general concentration of wealth and power going that the system is designed to do. But five to ten percent inflation, I, that, 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 there's no way. You know what? You just proved 25% infl inflation with your stove. Okay. <laughs> you proved that right there. Let's look at the price of gas. I hear they're paying up to seven bucks a gallon in California now. How's that for inflation? The price of natural gas, like I said, has gone up four to five times what it was last year. Hey, that's four to 500%, not well, five to 10%. It's really bullied me into being this anti-sensationalism that I'm downplaying the numbers on inflation. Really? Is that is that what's happening here? You think? All right, no, you're right. You're right. That's a great yeah, point. Prices are looking like SAT scores. You know, and the thing about this is, you bring up the increasing cost of electricity and all that. Well, when I do my proposals for my clients, I give them a payback time at today's electric rates, and then right under that, I put another payback time. The 25-year averaged electric rate at a four percent increase per year. Because that's typically what it goes up. That's typical. Okay. It's I think it's gonna get a lot worse. And then that cuts that payback time in half. So Joe, Joe, you're, you're, hold on. I want to go back to like my stove is better than Bitcoin. 
How well, much do you think that's going to save us this winter in propane? Um, I couldn't even give you a number. Like how much? Dollars. How much does it? We we have five gallon tanks. When on a cold night, we'll we'll run that on high to heat the cabin. All day it'll go out. Yeah. Right. You'll run it on high, and on the coldest part of the year, you'll run that heater on high all night and on low all day, and maybe turn it off for a few hours in the afternoon in the cabin. Yeah. And that that will you do that two days and you go through a tank. Yeah. There's a five it gallon tank. What's a, what's a gallon of pro or what's a gallon of propane cost already now? About four bucks. Well, yeah, isn't it about twenty, 20 bucks to, to switch that out? Twenty dollars a week for you know an average of, of three months. Well, really four months. Maybe take it four months down to thirty dollars a week. Hundred and twenty dollars. That's that's another easy five hundred plus savings in propane for a season here in that space. And what does it cost us? A little bit of labor. And, well, and it, you pay for the stove the first year. Chainsaw, cleaning up the property of wood that's laying around that we have to clean up anyway. Uh, yeah. That's a beautiful luxury of living in Gardenia and living this lifestyle. Boom. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I was like I was saying, now's the time to get started doing something. And, and that's what you did. You've done it in parts. You put your solar up and your battery bank, then the turbine, now the stove. You're putting it together over time, and and, and you can you don't have to buy everything all at once for this stuff. I got four or five 300 watt turbines that are used, kind of sitting laying around in my garage here. People should be getting those and starting their system. I can give a deal on those kinds of things. And you know, yep. right now with the solar stuff, we've had a solar panel glut because of COVID. That's going yep. away. So what's going to happen to the price of solar next year? It's going to be going up, up, up. And actually, it's it's especially if you have someone else installing it, it has doubled because these people haven't been able to work. They've had issues. They've got to make up the money. So the price of just the system now has well, gone up dramatically for no other reason than we were locked down for a while. So on the labor market. But, Jay, that's a great chance for us to get your website up here. I'm pretty sure – Jim, hot on the control, still has gogreenenergyonline.com somewhere in his Chiron pile. Yes! There you go. And, and, and Ed has a comment, Mr. Ombudsman. One factor you're not taking into account with a wood-burning stove, Adam. I have been living off-grid with a wood-burning stove for two winters now. And with your propane heater and you turn it on, you go to bed, you go to sleep, you sleep all night, you get up in the morning, you're nice and toasty warm. Right. With the wood-burning stove, you're going to get up and stoke it when it goes out. I, you know, I've thought I'm of that, Ed, Ed. I've thought of that. I'm telling you. I've thought of that. First of all. I don't get a full night's sleep. I know you didn't stove. go to Marine Corps boot camp, but in Marine Corps boot camp, you stay hydrated enough that you pee in the middle of the night. And that's a good healthy habit. It helps when Joey wakes one. up. It's so not that big a deal. Every day. But second of all, <laughs> I've I've actually done this with the stove, and the way that we have it set up uh, on a, on the coldest of winter nights here, if if we get the cabin just barely uncomfortably warm in the evening, and then the bedroom is fine, and you keep that fire, you get get that fire super stoked, and you make sure that this is the hot. You wake up. And it'll still be a hot bed of coals given off heat. And you'll want to throw a log on in the morning. And I actually did this the other night. I did this. This is a nice thing about enough to ignite the log this is, right away. Right. And this yeah. is a cool thing about having a stove that's slightly overkill 
is that it's uh, it, it's for 900 square feet and we're doing 640 and we're going to be able to block off the kitchen and we're actually, you know, there are areas in the bathroom. So at night it's kitchen, it's living, dining and bedroom. It's only heating and it's actually overkill for that. And it's actually better than propane because if you leave propane on all night, what happens in the sealed space? It's too hot. Yeah. To have a wood burning stove that keeps it as a moderated heat and gives off and slowly decreases over an eight hour period, it's actually better for sleeping. And you know, there's there's one other value. Hold on, did I mention I installed the stove this, this week? Um, but there's there's I, one other reason it's better than Bitcoin. And this really this is really hard to do the math for, but a, a wood burning stove with the door open on a really cold winter night. It's just sexy as fuck. <laughs> so with that being said, um, speaking of sexy as fuck, Mr. Nygaard, uh, we, we, we've oh. only got a few more minutes with you. Um, any, anything else you want to promote? I mean, I, I'm kind of curious for for what you see in alternative energy uh, as, as implications with inflation. Where's the place to buy in? Is if, if, if you had money to beef up a system, just bigger investments, would you go panels would you go batteries would you go equipment like charge controllers and and inverters uh, uh, uh wiring i mean why it's it's fucking crazy but you got to factor in the cost of of copper into everything now too right with inflation and oh yeah so, uh, what are the opportunities there or anything else you want to say with the last few minutes well, well what i typically tell people well first of all i want to talk about your stove really quick there are wood burning stoves you can buy that run for 42 hours and they're computer controlled so the, the overnight thing's kind of senseless when you can afford to do that. So the technology with wood-burning stoves is going a long, long way. Okay. <laughs> what do we got there? Sacking rocks around your wood stove will help to hold the heat throughout the night. Mass is king yep. in electricity. Thank you, Rob Learning. Yeah, one of the cool things that happened also by accident with my stove set over my hearth is that using scrap metal, it's actually a semi-reflective and a very heat radiative surface. So it pushes it back where we want it away from the stove. I've got a heat powered fan that sits on top of the stove That's and circulates cool. air around the space even better. And because it's such a safe space and I, dude, I got one other thing. I made metal buckets by cutting a big it propane cylinder so cool. in half and, and handles. like putting handles. They're so cool. Wood, like wood tote buckets. So they hold the wood upright and safely a few inches away from the back of the stove. So instead of rocks, I could put like, a, I mean, if, if we had a storm coming, we could gather and because you want to warm and heat and dry the wood before you put it in and have it there around. We have an awesome space and the hearth is so well balanced and configured that we could put like uh, at least four or five days worth of like intense wood burning use of wood right there in that area and that's some mass too that holds it and radiates it uh we have wood bricks if we want or uh so anyway yeah thank you for that tip that's a good one it we might it, it, it at some point end up building up around different ways with thermal mass that allows us to get even more efficiency out of it but i think it's great as it is and, and if, it's, if anything it's a little bit overkill as it should be the odyssey chat is raving about your wood stove right now so there, there, there you go there you go so, so if someone is thinking of putting in renewable, what you want to do is plan ahead and get the infrastructure in so that maybe you can add solar panels more later easily. All the electrical infrastructure is already in there for you to do. 
you know, a couple things I want to talk about really quick. One is that the libertarians are always, always saying nuclear power is the answer to all of this for clean energy, and it's just not true. Uranium and all these other sources are a finite resource just like anything else, and if we ramp up how much we're using it, that stuff's going to go away fast. So it's good to find these little renewable things that work for you on your property. Whether or not you got a creek running through it, you can harvest from geothermal if you got a well, solar power if you got good sun or wind. There's all different kinds of ways. And now's the time to start doing something. Go to my website, click, you know, go to the contact page and, and send me an email and we can start designing a system for you. The other thing I want to announce is my YouTube channel. I finally made it over 2 million views and I think I'm up to almost 6,600 subscribers. So I'm finally getting somewhere there too. So anyone wants to see a bunch of this renewable stuff or whatever, go to the Turbine Guy channel and you can see that. Plus I make libertarian videos. I, I make news videos about stuff. It's really kind of a wide range of topics I have. Well, I will say Jay knows his stuff when it comes to off-grid energy. Every question I've asked, uh, he's had the answer right away. He's super responsive by text. Uh, if you're lucky enough to, to hire him or to work with him and, and design a system, uh, you know you're going to get the what you need. Oh, and yeah, there's me by my wood-burning stove. Yeah, All right. There you go. And, yeah. uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us tonight. See you next time, guys. All right. So we've only got 10 minutes before we got to get to uh, Jay Kessler and Christopher Cantwell with Charlottesville. Let's do an update on Homefront Battle Buddies. Can we get uh, you want you want to get on camera here, Ed? And uh, I don't know if Jim Jim hasn't been Jim. We've been dragging along for administrative stuff that he's like, God damn it, I got to still deal with this shit this last week. I don't know if he has anything he needs for the update here. Um, that there, there's, there's his update. He's welcome, Jim. Of course, you know you're welcome to jump in at any time. But Ed, man, rocking and rolling. Tomorrow we have someone visiting. We have a neighbor visiting with a bobcat with a scoop who might what? be digging out some big hole. He's not bringing it tomorrow. You didn't tell me that. He's visiting tomorrow. Well, you've been gone. I mean, nothing happened while you were gone. We can't have. We no, just sat here with our thumbs up our butts waiting. No, no, there's no phones or anything. No, but the guy who owns it, who wants to, he's probably going to like figure out how to loan it to us for a couple months. Oh, yeah. And we're going to try to keep it running. So big, here's our first call for volunteers. We need people who know how to drive. Well, you don't even have to know how. If you're competent as a driver and you're, you feel like you're competent with your hands. I mean, Ed, people get it, right? If you have basic spatial mechanical competence, no. you can learn to drive a back. Uh, or a, a bobcat with a scoop, you can learn how to move dirt. It's yeah. not that hard. But uh, if you have an idea, if you're trained and you want to come out, like we are probably going to have a back, or keep saying backhoe because that's what I want. Right. We're going to have a bobcat with a with a scoop that can move serious dirt. And because nothing we're doing here is be nice in a backhoe. You call it like, a skid steer. The skid steer. Yeah, that's what my brother. That's a generic was, term. He recognized that term. I had not heard it. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, that's that's our big big announcement, I guess. Call for volunteers. If someone wants to come drive a, a skid steer around here, help dig some big foundation holes. We're we're uh, tomorrow. We're making the drawings for the gym to the detail to get us to our dig site plan, so that we can stake it out right. and and break ground as soon as we have a bobcat here, basically. Right. We're excited. What else? So we've been doing a lot of shit. We've got we have cards. I have cards in my fanny pack. What? When you get merch printed, it makes things real. Oh, cards. Right. 
I picked them up at the printer and pulled one out and looked at it. And it, it I just had chills. And it, lots of text, bad for the spirit. It, 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 it just it made me feel legitimate. You know, it legitimized it because it, here it is in fancy print and, you know, all the world to see. And there's plenty of them and we're going to make more. And it's just rolling. It is rolling much faster than I expected it to. It, it has. I mean, it took it took a long time and a lot of research for me to understand what systems were in place when it comes to government and nonprofit status and donations and veterans and the state of Arizona and municipality, all these things. This, it, it was very deep and there's a lot to it. As it really was, but we're start. We got plugged into the right places. We got our ducks in a row. We starting to put out material with our name on it, and the it was. You know, I don't know how to really share the depth and meaning of what we're doing here. In that the third day on the job, and I'm working here trying to help veterans. My brother calls me. And my brother, I'm he's been in and out and up and down, and he's a he's a he's an eighty second airborne veteran and he's I just spoke with people today on the phone of how he doesn't know how to set up his phone so that he could get uh, an online interview with a doctor with the VA so that he can qualify for his PTSD. Okay, and I jumped right in and I got on the phone with these people because he didn't know what to do. Hey, you need that kind of help? We're making our fucking job now. Know what to do. And I jumped on the phone and I said, because he needed an email address. My brother couldn't even didn't even have an email address, doesn't know how to make one. No, no computer savvy, no nothing. And here he's lost. I mean, this 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 man is lost. Fifty seven year old veteran and he's lost and this is what i do for a living now you know and i jumped on the phone and i said can can he use my email address and they said oh yes and the lady was really happy that he had a personal advocate on the phone and i said actually you know i'm now uh program director and coo of a 501c3 that helps veterans and he my brother just happens to need help and he happens to be here at our facility when he needed help. And then I, I was on the phone with her for another eight to 10 minutes in setting up everything he needs to get qualified and notify them officially that he was notified. He will be there. I'll make sure that he's online with the doctor to get his back payment. He's owed $20,000 in back payments for suffering PTSD, basically because he was a mortarman in Grenada and he didn't wear his hearing protection and fired so many rounds, it rattled him and rattled his head. He could, he had a hard time hearing. And here, I'm doing this. On the third day, my brother calls me, and I connect with him. I bring him up here, and I'm helping him out. And he's involved in the program. And he wants to stay here rather than being back in the city of uh, Phoenix. That's just, I'm. Your, it's amazing. Your, your brother is. It's amazing. Is such a a, a gentleman. And, and, a, and a humble dude and and he's got this quirky pride of having been airborne still that i love 
and it, it's it's awesome. I'm I'm excited that we've it, 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 and and I know that he has to work with you on some things. He has to get up to speed on some things personally. Yeah. But I am really excited in the Vallejo brothers being a part of the foundation of this. It's cool to see. It just, it's touched me personally. And I just, I can't thank God enough for putting me here. I can't. And thank you for the opportunity, Adam. I mean, you had the vision. I shared the vision. We've, we're making this vision real. We are making this vision real and it's touching people already. Yeah. You know, when I was down in Phoenix this past weekend, I went over to the Mana House that stands for uh, Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force, right? There's a house down there that, that houses uh, homeless veterans and stuff, gets them off the street and whatnot. And I tried to speak with the staff and they were short staffed and they couldn't talk to me, but I spoke with uh, one of the one of the caseworkers and she was so happy that there was somebody doing what we do in Northern Arizona because whenever they get somebody in Northern Arizona, they have to transport them all the way to Phoenix and put them in a bed that they need down there. And they were glad to have somebody up here that they could refer us them to us. And yeah, even geographically, you know, just covering this it just, big it's, rural it's area wonderful where a lot of vets starting to be out like me here, get, like you. Out, to get yeah. plugged into the Veterans Assistance yeah. Programs yes. in Arizona. And when you can't help somebody, you reach out to all these other people and somebody's going to help them. And if we can be that somebody, oh man, all the more power to us. And, you know, this this is really, yeah. this is, this is, this has not, not just wheels, it's got wings. We're, we're very limited in what we can offer right now, right. but it feels like we've gotten to the point where with what we're offering now, with the platform, with the website, with the social media, and more importantly, with the in-person internship residency and volunteer program here, we are plugged in and the doors are open. Yes. And, and it's like, we're finally able to say we're, we're genuinely in business. Yes. And yeah. what we're offering here is is really limited to it's what I can do with the property right. and the fundraising and what we can do with Ed full time. Yeah. But that's a lot. And for, for the people who are in the right circumstances, like your brother who can be here and contribute and be comfortable living off grid. And it is kind of rugged right now. Our, our first big project is building the gym and it's the gym building not to be the gym not because we're idiots and go oh well working out is the most important thing no it's it's a multi-purpose room right. that when we build the things that move out of it will be a gym right. we're building a gym first and it's, it's it's a big simple thermal mass tire building uh you know packed earth passive solar and it's a uh, staging area power. closer to where we're going to uh, build the lot right so and so it'll be exactly It'll really be a barracks and right. and multi-purpose room to start for for dudes that don't want to live in a tent or you know in, in a rugged cab. They want right. to live in a climate-controlled, uh, structurally sound building, and they don't mind sleeping with. A, some people, some people want that experience of being in a barracks. Like, and I remember like, not now. Now I'm totally like I don't have my own room, <laughs> you know. Um, but there was a time like at an hour, I'm like, yeah it's cool in the room with a bunch of dudes you know so i whatever some people might have to for a while as part of the internship program but that's what we're doing and so anybody who can donate or contribute materials equipment the skid steer is the big thing if someone can donate a backhoe we offer of course as a 501c3 nonprofit all the tax deduction options so 
pretty exciting. That's I think that's a great summary of where we're at right now. Yep. Volunteers, if, if we can mail you some of these cards, if you if, if you want to hand some of these yeah. these these I, I guess palm cards, we we yes. we've got them printed as as postcards as an item. So I'm tempted to call them postcards. These are palm cards, though. They're not postcards because they're not for post. It's it's a postcard size palm card uh, for flyering. Right. I'm looking forward to trolling parking lots at events. Anytime there's a military veterans sticker on a vehicle and just slide that in the windshield. Not everybody, but if it's Target, I think they'll uh, you put it on a windshield. They'll look at right. it and go, oh, they put this on my car. Oh, they didn't put it on everybody. I think that will be appreciated. Right. Going to events, we're going to – at least Ed is going to be leading an outreach team in Phoenix December 3 to 5 at yep. Crossroads of the West. Yeah, I've never been, but it Woo. looks fun. I wish I could. I'm probably going to be in Utah for a Libertarian Party event that weekend, which I'm also very excited about. But if anybody wants to join us, this is is promoting a volunteer opportunity a little in advance, but we'd love to have a team of even five, ten people going out, walking around with a handful of these, looking for people wearing military or veteran accessories. Yeah. Because we we love the bling. Uh, So so veterans are not always hard to identify we, we're always not always good at camouflage sometimes we're dorks that stand out in a crowd with those unit stickers on the vehicle man yeah. all right but it's after six o'clock ed did we miss anything we do have to get on to our next nope, topic no, because we have another guest we're waiting awesome uh battlebuddies.com battlebuddies.org no, we're moved we fucked it up and nobody no, last big announcement nobody pointed it out to me you should be a dot org instead of dot com adam no shit yes and ed was like hey adam and ed <laughs> I felt Screw bad. you! You can't say shit because you still looked at a dot com address for over a month and didn't say anything. I told uh, you I felt yeah, so, weird. Yeah, 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 no, but now, but and it took you a month at least to point it out. Like, but we got it. No, but hold on. We were so organized and in place. I pulled yeah. up name, and I'll plug namecheap.com. It They've been best. good for all my website Ooh. stuff. I pulled up namecheap.com. And I was like, oh, it's still available. Whew, no one parked it out from underneath us. You know, and we parked it. It cost me $9. And our IT guy, Ted Metz in Georgia, is doing such a great job. We just put it on his to-do list. Actually, right away, I was able to, in Namecheap, with a minute of clicking, right. set it to redirect. Yeah. So we are now officially everywhere, .org, homefrontbattlebuddies.org. If you go there, technically, and uh, Jim's already on it, technically, if you go there, it will redirect you. I think. Ted hasn't actually moved the site to .org, but right now .org redirects immediately to .com, and there's our website, and it's starting to look really good. And we're going to flip that. It's on Ted's to do. Look at that beautiful website. Getting better every day. Uh, we're, we're about to flip that, so it's .org, and if you go to .com, it redirects to right. .org. Pardon us, little little admin thing we just got with that. Um, is is Jason Kessler backstage? Jason is backstage as of six o'clock. Oh, Jason has been on time even. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your patience. Um, I'm going to, um, I, what I'm going to do right now, actually, we're, we're going to kind of combine this. I'm going to introduce Jason and we're not going to bring him on stage for the show until after we play the Cantwell interview from today. So, and and this is because, as I said before, and I'll give him a chance when he comes on, if he wants to, because he's in a legally sensitive situation. If he doesn't want to address it, he doesn't want to address it. I'm giving him a platform because I think this is a fascinating and important case and, 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 a, and a really important story for America, for freedom of speech, for legal liability, for a lot of things. And you'll see why over the course of the next 
45-ish minutes of covering this this topic, why this is such an important case. So uh, Jason Kessler um, is in some ways involved in this legal liability, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to know exactly how it applies, but in this uh, civil suit that they're, they're dealing with right now, uh, being discussed in the mainstream media as the Charlottesville trial, which is actually kind of crazy because it's not, uh, well, it, it, what's crazy is that it's getting as much coverage as it is because it, it, if anything, they should be ignoring this, but it's almost too sensational. It's Christopher, the crying Nazi Cantwell. It's a big, like that's pretty sensational. Christopher Cantwell is someone that they, it, they, they kind of built up in, in, in a way similar to Alex Jones on a much smaller scale as controlled opposition. Like let's, let's make the face of the nine 11 truth movement, Alex Jones, not Richard Gage. Who's like, you know, respectable and academic. Let's make it the tinfoil hat, crazy loud guy. So we can just, so it's discredited to the mainstream. And then we use him as the excuse to censor, you know, for, for internet censorship. Well, you know, there are crazy popular people like Alex Jones who did dangerous things and got that guy to go shoot up, uh, ping pong comet pizza and all this other crazy stuff with Sandy Hook and blah 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 blah. Therefore, internet censorship is justified because Alex Jones. Yeah. And so now, similarly playing that role as I see in this narrative is Christopher Cantwell, Kessler at all, who are being pinned as, hey, look, there's these crazy white supremacists. And and to be fair, my distinct d- distinguishing line here is that they're ethno statists. They're, they're not like we want to, if, if they were people saying we want to murder or eradicate other races, that would be a different game, uh, a d- different game entirely. These are people who love and respect humans in general, might have distaste for certain racial pref- racial groups, which I think is is, is, is is atrocious. I think it's gross. Look, it, that, it's, it's racist. There is racism. There is what I would, a very subjective, whatever term. It's gross. We're going to talk to Jason Kessler tonight. The order, he's backstage right now. The guy on the permit for the Unite the Right rally for sure. That's that's our guest tonight. And I'm still giving him this platform because their story is important right now because they are being used to justify so much other censorship and legal bullshit. They are being used as the test case. Let's hold up this guy with these ugly motherfucking views that we can demonize because they're racist and they're ugly and use him to set a legal precedent that gives us the ability to destroy freedom of speech in America. Because if we get away with this, with Cantwell and Kessler and, 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 and this new legal standard of bullshit of, no, if you say something inflammatory and then someone does something criminal, you're liable for it. Bullshit. And that is a hard line of principle of freedom of speech. And, 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 and you'll hear in this interview right now with, with Cantwell, a little bit about that subject and why it's relevant. But first, I'm going to introduce our guest backstage, Jason Kessler. And this is, this is just what Joey Joey put together for his introduction. Also his bio. This is his. So this is his introduction for himself, essentially. I wrote right. down his bio. Okay, thank you, dear. So Jason Kessler is a freelance journalist and activist who has written for V Dare Daily Caller and Got News, as well as his own site, JasonKessler.us. He's been covered by outlets around the world, including OANN, Washington Post, New York Times. BBC, CNN, Daily Mail, and Fox News as journalism has covered topics ranging from illegal immigration to free speech and left-wing extremism. In 2017, Jason was the permit holder for the famous Unite the Right rally, which was sabotaged when police stood down and allowed left-wing militants 
to attack the event. Obviously, that's very much his narrative. But I will say, even from my amateur distant analysis of this event, it's a lot closer to the truth than what, what was presented in the mainstream media, right? Uh, yeah. So he is currently suing the state of Virginia and city of Charlottesville for First Amendment amendment civil rights violations Good and separately under the virginia public records act for destruction of communications regarding the rally by former city manager maurice jones and former police chief al thomas so as a journalist i keep another cell phone around turned on at all times in case i ever get a call from christopher cantwell in jail and uh that happened tonight like an hour before the show yeah so that's how I got this interview. Um, and and coincidence, the reason we have uh, the reason we have Jason with us tonight is because a mutual friend who I believe she wishes to remain anonymous, but thank you, dear. Uh, she would uh, she hooked us up uh, by text and said that that Jason was available for interviews and might be willing to join us tonight. And that connected for us too, like two hours before the show. So this is all coming together very last second as the trial is happening. Very exciting. There's been a lot of stuff, uh, and, and, and I've got some friends, uh, including her, our, our mutual friend, who has been uh, keeping up with this trial, listening in. You hear Christopher mention this, that they've set it up so that you can't attend. It's not, it's not open to the public. Um, but you can call this hotline and listen in. Mm. Very, You'll hear the details here. Jason, I'm sure, has, has, has an opinion on that. Um, partly. Mm. Partly. Um, Anyway, is there anything else I need to set this up with, or should we just, should we just roll tape? Ready? All right. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt too much for too long, so we can get to Jason. Whistle repeating calls from this facility. Thank you for using security. You may stop the conversation now. Mr. Cantwell, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. Yourself? Uh, I'm I'm doing great, and I've been hearing very interesting things about your jury selection. I imagine you have. I haven't uh, been able to catch all the coverage live myself, obviously, but uh, I am informed that the media has been uh, covering this in uh, some degree of depth, and so I'm grateful for their service. Yeah, it's it. Well, it is at least being appreciated for the fascinating and significant trial that it is. Uh, I'm also having um, Mr. Kessler. Uh, uh, join us tonight for Adam versus the man for an update. Who's been uh, in the courtroom, I believe. Well, that's, that's, uh, Jason. that is, that is excellent. Yeah. Cool. That's good news. Well, I'm glad that you're covering this and I appreciate you're doing so because I think it's an important story. Yeah. Well, this is, this is a good time right now because we are going live with Adam versus the man in just over an hour and a half. And if you want to take this time to share whatever you want, I'll just listen and ask any clarifying questions I might have. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it. A... This is where we just lost signal and it comes back in a few oh, seconds. Sounds like we're losing you a little bit here. Stand by. Technical difficulty. Christopher, I think. Yeah. Okay. Now you're there. It's clear. Start again, please. Okay. Good. That's the FBI. Okay. I was going to say, just a real quick production point. And, uh, you know, we mentioned a uh, prior thing that, like, you can call in for this, uh, this like, phone line, you dial in, and you can listen to the thing. I was opening that, uh, that it would be, like, legal for broadcast thing on my website or whatever, and I, I don't think it's going to be, which is unfortunate. Mm. And, uh, you know, hopefully.
hoping that one of these law-breaking communists like record the thing and, and leave it on the YouTube or something like on the like Pirate Bay so that I can get the recording to these things because uh, you know we can't do it because it's illegal. You know, so you know maybe the communists do we get a recording of it. But anyway, mm. um, wait, I thought we didn't have secret courts in America, Christopher. You know, we don't have secret courts per se. We just have courts where you're not allowed to tell anybody what happened. No, we have we have secret courts and we have secretive courts, and those are the only two types we get in America. Yeah, yeah we have secret courts and secretive courts. I like that. That's, that's actually it. It kind of it kind of turns out to be that way. And you know, um, I'm, getting, I'm getting a harsh lesson in the rules of evidence now because there's a uh, there's all this debate about you know what the jurors are allowed to know. You know, and I'm like, why don't we just we just tell them everything and, and let them make the decision. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, no, it's not how, not how courts work in America. We have to figure out what fucking, you know, what scam you pulled to get it in or out, you know? Right. And so, I, like, I, I think I told you, like, I got these body camera videos where these guys tried to frame me for a crime, and I got this body camera video of this meeting, and now they're like, you know, there's some debate over, you know, whether or not the jury's even going to get to see this stuff, or how much of it they're going to get to see, or what's going to get cut out, and all this shit. So, kind of, uh, for this well how is there a time limit are you concerned that there are going to be objections uh from from the plaintiff's attorneys saying you're not allowed to say this you're not allowed to say that uh that they're, they're just going to try to walk all over you you know what i'm going to do i'm not going to introduce any exhibits in my opening statement is my plan because i don't i, I really like that this is a shotgun operation for me i'm like figuring out as they go along yeah. i don't want to get jammed up in the middle of it so i basically i've got three main pieces about it I've got the body camera from the Walmart meetup where they tried to frame me for brandishing. I've got the body camera from the meeting where they say we were conspiring, but in fact we were talking about how we were cooperating with police. And I've got the unedited uh, interviews with me and Vice News. Like they want to take all these out of context clips from Vice News and say this is evidence of a conspiracy. I'm like, okay, let's just sit there and listen to the podcast because that's not what happened, as a matter of fact. You can listen to the context and that's not what it is. Those are my three main pieces of evidence. Mm-hmm. And so, what my evidence is. I tell them that no matter what happens in there, they're not going to find evidence of a conspiracy because I didn't participate in one. And if my co-defendant did fuck them, I don't know these guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they did. So, you know, I'm going to do a clumbo, you know, or cross-examining people and trying to figure out what happened in the courtroom and, you know, learn how to be a lawyer while they learn how to be jurors. It's going to be kind of like, <laughs> we're going to figure this out together. I'm going to be on the same team as the jury trying to find out what happened. Right. Well, my, 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 that, that, that's very cool that you have an angle that you get to use this is an opportunity for a kind of discovery yourself in your, your larger political goals. Uh, how are you putting together your case? And what I mean by that is like, what references are you using? What legal experience? Um, are there people you're talking to who are coaching you through this uh, or, or manuals or guides or is there, is there a YouTube video about how to defend yourself when being prosecuted for conspiracy liability <laughs> of unpopular opinions? No, I, you know, I don't have to put that stuff on YouTube anymore. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. <laughs> he works in a plug for BitChute. I love it. Yeah. I don't know how to 
really are, but you get the idea. So, uh, but, you know, I, uh, I got some help when I was over at the prison. I had help from uh, William A. White and uh, Mr. Matthew Hale, who kind of like helped me get acclimated to this stuff. But now that I was shipped out here in communication management unit, there's no way I can be able to talk to them. So I'm on my own. I mean, I, I met a bunch of great guards in here, but none of them are attorneys. And so. So I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants trying to figure this out. I'm very fortunate to have the facts on my side. It's the only thing I got going for me. I, don't, I have no idea how to do it. You know? So I, having been in similar lower stake circumstances, I have had judges who are both uh, very supportive of me being pro se and accommodating and, and respectful. And I have had judges who have, completely used it against me as much as they legally could to say you screwed our procedure therefore you're screwed um and i've had judges that have gone from one end of the spectrum to the other how do you think your judge in this case uh is dealing with you being pro se and figuring it out as you go well i love talking to you you're a great interview and you ask important questions and that and i'm so glad that you asked me this so like that's what if he can kiss the judge's ass as well as he kisses mine, I mean, <laughs> he's good. Free uh, speech is safe in America. Go on. Leading up to this thing, I'm like, it's all right. Judges in their pockets. And I smiled to me like angry things, like, you know, borderline cursing the court. And I kind of like feel, feel like kind of douchebag now with the piling up to you because the judge has been, you know, I mean, I dare I, I, I say he leaned more to one side than the other, but he hasn't been, you know, entirely unfair to us. And uh, mm. and I think that I think that he has warmed up to me a little bit, and that my my demeanor in the courtroom is, shall we say, calmer than my than my pen. And so mm. you know he's you know he's he's kind of fed up with me putting fiery things into the record. I take it, but in the courtroom I'm I'm, I'm better behaved because I'm like you know there's that real time response, right? Uh, I just want I to point that. out something here that, um, and, and, and I have not been listening in, um, but I am, because I, I'm not going to sit through all the bullshit to hear the few minutes that Chris Cantwell is talking, because that's the only interesting parts, right? And there's so much other nonsense and not, uh, who knows, but I'm really hoping that someone is recording this. And I know someone will be, oh, sure. because I really want to hear Chris's part in the courtroom. And y'all might be used to Christopher Cantwell as the abrasive asshole public figure that he is. And and I'm not going to try to debate how close that is to his actual personality because he's closer to that than his kiss at the kiss ass. And I'm going to sabotage his whole case by saying, yeah. this, like, your honor, this is not the real Christopher Cantwell. This I is the kiss ass version. Everybody's uh, different at the bar. even though He's really his asshole public personality. No, uh, that's not true. No, but he I'm is curious to know how good he is. In that at, sense, at what that, I'm saying really. is he cleans up really fucking good. I can believe He is it. very smart. He is very quick on his feet. He is very capable of controlling himself and his emotions. <laughs> And he is capable of being polite and kissing ass when he needs to. He's capable of being humble. He's capable of groveling if it serves him. He's capable crying. of crying on video <laughs> to get his fucking nickname, the crying Nazi, if that's what serves him. Uh, so any other thoughts on this before we go back? Okay. Uh, and 
you know, the easy here is that, you know, a pro se defendant is supposed to get a lot of leeway. And, and given all the complaints I've had about my ability to prepare, a little bit more leeway than your average pro se defendant. One other thing. So we had this pretrial conference. This came up at the very end of the day today. So one of the things we're being sued under is this law, 1985, Section 3, which is uh, a conspiracy to commit racially motivated violence. It's under the power of the 13th Amendment. But the idea being that your racially motivated conspiracy is to uh, impose badges and incidents of slavery. Okay, And it starts off as something that's specifically about blacks. It's the KKK laws, basically. They're like, okay, you're trying to re-implement slavery through violence and coercion. You're not allowed to do this, and there's a private right of action for it, okay? So, like, where do Jewish people fit into that? Well, that's kind of a complex situation. It, it doesn't seem to make sense on the face, but at some point, courts have sort of gone back and forth on whether or not Jews are covered by this thing. And so we filed this motion with the court to say, all right, evidence of, uh, you know, animus against Jewish people is actually not admissible uh, in this because it's irrelevant. This is about black people. And the court ended up overruling me on that motion, and there was a subsequent motion to exclude all evidence of, like, the Holocaust and stuff because, because of that, all right? Now, at a pretrial conference, the judge talked about those two motions, and he lumped them in with a third motion that I said, which is that animus against Antifa and the woke progressive left is not an invidious discriminatory animus under 1985-3, which is to say that Antifa, a fucking left-wing terrorist group, is not entitled to the same protections as a racial minority. Right? It seems to make sense on its face if you think about it. But the judge at the pre-trial conference, I think it was on October 20th, said that he lumped all those three things together, Jews, evidence of the Holocaust, and animus against Antifa. And he said that he was going to overrule all three of them. So it's like, shit. Well, the other night I was reading through the, the orders that I got, and he only overruled the two motions. Mm. And I said, oh. and I said to him at the pre-trial conference, I said, I don't think it's appropriate now. Judge, I don't think it's appropriate to put Jews and Antifa in the same boat, right? You know, it seems like a, yeah. a, a coherent course of action. And he said, well, you know, you'll see the written order should. And so he said, it's a big conference. Well, the other night I was looking at him, I was like, hey, he only overruled the motion. So today, at the end of the day, I said, Judge, you know, we had this conversation at the pre-trial conference. I just looked at the order. You know, he clarified we need to take this up. And he said, that one's coming. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I got this. You know, if he's, if he's given a separate order, I'm getting the impression that he's going to rule my favor on it, which is important. Because one of the reasons that the complaint is subjected to this is that they called it an untimely dispositive motion, as in, this motion would dispose of one or more of our charges. Well, you know, that's kind of crazy if you think about it. Like, you're saying that if you if I can't sue if, me because I have, if, because I'm pissed off at Antifa, that you have to drop one or more of your charges? Really? Christopher, if I could ask you to zoom out for the last few minutes, I got you tonight. It seems if if I was advising you legally, I would say the crux of your case is I have unpopular opinions. Please do not conflate your judgment of your of my opinions with my actions, which I will prove in this case or have proven through the facts are within the law, don't incur liability, et cetera, et cetera. We're entirely lawful, however you, know, you need to communicate that. But you're not really going to get a chance to do that procedurally 
except with your opening and closing statements to be able, because it, 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 it's sort of an unstated thing here that the jury is looking at it like, well, we get that you have unpopular opinions, but why are you being targeted? Is that really why you're being targeted? You better provide an explanation for why they're going after you in this. And I, I think making that case in a righteous way, and as you said, that your courtroom demeanor is much more calm than your pen. I, I'm curious if you feel like you are going to be able to, over the course of that trial, successfully make that case. I, I, I appreciate that. And I have put together something which I think is eloquent about Mark and how it sometimes disturbs and, and the way that it often uh, has enough proximity to real life to, to make it disturbing uh, and how, you know, all of our quality entertainment products always involve a plot line with a conflict, a conflict that appeals to our our most like basis Darwinian instinct, really. It's always, you know, survival and reproduction if you boil it down further. And so I I have something that I think is, is pretty eloquent about that prepared for the opening statement. I also have lines of questioning about that to the witnesses. And so I do think that I'm going to be able to deliver it. And you're right. I mean, this is not evidence per se, it's argument. And so the only place that I really can do it is either through, you know, cross-examination or through my opening and closing. Right, right. If, 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 yeah, before, I, just to inject one more idea here is like there, there's a, an important differentiation. This is why your case is important is that you're unpopular but inspiring and even motivating to criminal behavior messaging doesn't make you liable. And, and, and you have to make that distinction for a jury of average Americans unfamiliar with yeah. that concept. system all right so we're going to come back to this and that versus the man team here we'll have some more commentary i have some commentary we're going to tease apart but i don't want to take any more of jason's time right now so let's get jason up on stage here if i may jason are you with us can you hear me sir i can't i can't hear you can you hear me now now i got you awesome Sorry okay um i i hope i you got something out of hearing Christopher Cantwell uh, in that vein that way. Um, I very much appreciate you joining us tonight. I very much appreciate your patience in accommodating us with your timing. I know that your time is very valuable right now. So uh, I, I know that you are doing this uh, despite all the things that we could stop and debate about our disagreements. What you are doing in this is something that we wanna cover we want, we want to support in the extent that you are in a situation, regardless of who you are, regardless of your general worldview, if you are the guy on the front lines defending freedom of speech from this sort of bullshit liability argument that they're trying to impose on y'all, 
uh, we want to give you the platform to communicate that. So I, I would I would say the same thing I said to Christopher on the phone there. Um, I might ask a few clarifying questions, but basically the floor is yours. I would say, can you start with any any personal background that you think is immediately relevant about yourself, a background about the event in Charlottesville itself, and um, perhaps um, about the significance of the trial itself before you get into where you are today with things. Sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. The first thing, I just wanted to clarify, I'm not an ethno-nationalist. I've never described myself as a white nationalist. It's very hard for me to define myself, though, because that is one of a number of terms. Uh, white supremacist is another that the media throws around, and they use it as an insult. Um, and I've had, like, with this trial going on, dozens of articles. I even have people say that I'm a self-described white nationalist. And I, that's the one thing I've at least been able to get them to take down. It's like, uh, excuse me, where's the evidence of that? You know, and there were people who were at the Charlottesville rally of a number of different beliefs. There certainly were white nationalists. There were people who were just Trump supporters. There were, uh, you know, libertarian types. There were, um, uh, Confederate heritage supporters. Um, for myself, my two main things is I do believe that white people need some representation like other groups have. And I tried to do that with the alt-right, which um, maybe wasn't the best vehicle for it. Um, I also am a zealous um, uh, free speech absolutist, which is the other thing that I didn't really... Um, think that much about the offensive speech uh, that was uh, going to be happening around the rally. Uh, for me, hate speech is free speech. And when I was doing this thing, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of what some people might assume that I'm thinking. Like uh, I was thinking in terms of uh, famous free speech. You know, I was thinking in terms of civil rights marches that uh, black people had done. I was thinking in terms of like Lenny Bruce, you know, the comedian who was uh, arrested for obscenity a number of times. I was thinking in terms of uh, the, the free speech cases that Larry Flint had uh, done against Jerry Falwell. I thought of a number of different things like that. And of course, I thought about the uh, famous Skokie Nazi case, you know, so um, it wasn't my intention to have. Um, it become about the more extreme rhetoric. I'm not in favor of um, hatred towards anybody else. But at the same time, now we are where we are at. And some of the people with the most extreme rhetoric, you know, they use that rhetoric. And now these high-powered, uh, politically connected, wealthy attorneys are trying to make us suffer for that. Um, and I'm not going to have it. And it really doesn't matter to me uh, whether, you know, at this point there was offensive uh, speech, you know, because I'm not going to let them equate that with violence. A lot of what they're doing is just this total gaslighting where everybody who is not, you know, getting their entire world uh, view from mainstream media propaganda knows that there are violent extremists and there's a movement against speech and against liberty happening in America right now where people are being violently attacked for their free speech rights. There is rioting happening. There, uh, there are 
malicious wounding incidents. There are even murders like what happened in uh, Portland to the Trump supporter Aaron Danielson, who was killed by uh, an anarchist extremist. And so uh, people need to be able to defend themselves. That's the other thing is you live in an environment where people are going to violently hurt you. They're going to commit terrorist atrocities against you for speaking your mind. And then these people want to gaslight you and say, oh, you talked about defending yourself. So that was a conspiracy to commit violence. And uh, so that's the uh, essential basis here of this um, of this uh, lawsuit, which is about our rally. So I, I mean, I did. I, there's so much I want to there? respond to and parse apart in that. Uh, you might uh, be having some connection issues. Uh, so for people who don't know what the rally was, the rally uh, was held in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is where I was born. Uh, and some folks were trying to take down a statue of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Uh, it was never a problem uh, in all my years living there. Uh, it's right next to a, a public library. I would go and get books and read uh, under a shade of a tree next to the statue. And there'd be people of all races, like uh, frankly, just hanging around drinking and smoking cigarettes and weed and stuff, to be honest. But, um, you know, no one had a problem with it until this sort of like uh, Democrat race hustler politic uh, became popular. And you had various politicians come in there and say that, you know, uh, and divide the community by saying it was about racism and it was demeaning to black people and trying to rile folks up. And the main one that was doing that uh, was a guy named Wes Bellamy. Um, I discovered a a bunch of uh, his social media prior to uh, his stance on the monument removal, which indicated it was uh, based on anti-white hatred. Uh, He'd had a number of uh, tweets, white women are the devil. Uh, It it ain't rape. She moans. My favorite thing about being down South is seeing the look on the face of little white men when they have to look up to a black man. Uh, I don't like seeing white people around town. It just goes on and on. So, um, yeah, I don't know where you went to. But uh, anyway, in terms of uh, this trial right here, uh, it it really brings a lot of uh, American values into a crucible. You have this idea of free speech. You have this idea of uh, whether you can defend yourself when you are speaking and someone tries to hurt you. Uh, You have the issue of, you know, the rights of the the powerless or the indigent. And I think uh, Christopher Cantwell, you know, really embodies that right now. Whether you want to say, you know, that he uh, whatever you want to say about why he is in uh, prison or jail right now, uh, it's really remarkable to go through this process of being sued by these wealthy people and seeing how if you have no money, you have no right to legal representation in the civil courts like you do in the federal court system. So what's happened to uh, Cantwell is he is reduced basically to hand scrawling these uh, notes, which sometimes more or less take the form of a legal document and handing them into the court. A lot of times he doesn't get uh, 
the the evidence. He doesn't get to see the uh, the uh, the documents that are being filed in the case. He's not able to respond to them. It's really disgusting because these attorneys on the other side they they're with some of the largest law firms in the world. Uh, we're talking about uh, law firms like Boyshiller Flexner that have uh, defended Al Gore in the Hanging Chad controversy uh, after the 2001 presidential election. They've represented Harvey Weinstein, the NFL, the Democratic National Committee, on and on. And they, these attorneys boast in their resume about helping out you know, uh, clients that are in jail and are having their rights violated. But yet when it comes to Cantwell, because they have this animus to, to him because of his uh, political ideology, uh, they are willing to just flagrantly violate and um, humiliate this guy. So uh, in that respect, regardless of whatever else he has been accused of or may have done wrong, I think that it's it's worth uh, rooting for the man and hoping that he is able to uh, successfully defend himself. Uh, we just went through the jury selection in this trial, and it was an incredible experience. Um, first of all, I think these out-of-town attorneys, they're mostly from New York, where everybody has this this far-left uh, viewpoint. Uh, they thought they were going to come in and just throw these insult words, Nazi, white supremacist out there. They were going to have this jury from Charlottesville that is going to be totally biased against us and isn't going to give us a fair shake. But uh, because this is dealing with constitutional issues, it's dealing with uh, federal civil rights, and it's in federal court, that means it's not just that city of Charlottesville. It's also right. the entire Western District of Virginia, which includes yeah. many surrounding counties. And it was just for me so uh, heartening to see like regular people, real people show up for that jury selection. Jason, and the things that they said, now? you know, so many of them agreed with us. So very me? many are were opposed me? to the taking down of the statues, not just of Robert well, E. Lee, but American presidents and other uh, historical figures. Uh, they were against um, anti-white racism. There were a lot mm -hmm. of people. You know, if you only listen to the media, no one, no one cares about that. It's not real. They're just totally gaslighting us. But there are many people in real America who – are concerned about those things. Um, there is enormous antipathy towards uh, Antifa. I mean, I think that the plaintiffs were shocked by how many folks said, you know, Antifa are terrorists, Antifa are uh, troublemakers, uh, this kind of thing. And I think it was really revealing that the plaintiffs tried to have those jurors excluded by saying, uh, well, these are extreme views of Antifa. So to dislike Antifa or to feel that they are a terrorist uh, group, which, you know, the U.S. government at some point has um, designated them as, then that's the extreme view. Or maybe it's the people who support Antifa's terroristic activities that are the uh, extremists.
All right, I think he got my text. All right, get him back, get him back. I was like, maybe he's off. So I apologize. We had some technical difficulties. We believe it was a connection on his end, and it actually sounds like I was our StreamYard feed to him was frozen. I just texted him to refresh. But hey, that was great to let him talk. Jason, can you hear me now? Yes. What happened there? Oh my gosh. What we believe happened is that somehow our StreamYard feed got cut to you because you couldn't hear me. It was a little embarrassing and awkward for me, but you did great just going and talking. So you that was wonderful. Uh, probably better that I was not able to interrupt you. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, let, let, let me just say, I, I, I have a few I have a few questions to kind of round this out, I, I think, for our audience. Uh, first, what are the implications of this trial and why should the average American care? Well, I mean, first of all, there has to be real accountability for what happened here. And without going into the whole uh, history of the Unite the Right rally, the police stood down. Uh, the police chief issued an order. He said, let them fight so we can declare an unlawful assembly. So all this violence that happened, you know, it was totally preventable. This was a civil rights violation, you know, and it, it was a civil rights violation of the permitted demonstrators. But even the left wing people, even the left wing extremists, you know, so, uh, they really do need the police just to uh, keep them. Uh, from committing violence, uh, if they want to yell or scream or hold up their signs, uh, more power to them. But we are not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to get the discovery against the city of Charlottesville and find out the full picture of who ordered this, whether it was the governor of Virginia or uh, maybe higher up than that. Who knows? I've heard reports in other lawsuits that people were on the ground in Charlottesville talking to the head of the world bank and it's in the phone records and crazy stuff was going on, but it's all speculation until we can do that lawsuit, but we just are not going to be able to do that unless we can beat this lawsuit because it's kind of like if they get a judgment against us saying we were, uh, involved in a conspiracy to do violence. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, what did the police stand down to prevent? Did they stand down to prevent a conspiracy to do violence or, yeah. uh, or, or to uh, prevent a free speech rally? So we yeah, have yeah, to do it, that. It, it, sounds, it sounds like a lot of the precedent here is, is not actually bigger, abstract, esoteric First Amendment stuff. It's sort of practical police state type stuff. What can police and prosecutors get away with to people they don't like politically, right? Well, you know, I mean, the, the police have to do their job here. I mean, it's really an untenable position when, you know, folks want to speak. And we're talking about a lot of people, like half the country, are they want to say things that they will be physically assaulted for saying. And there's this, like, uh, iron curtain of fear and intimidation that's descended on this country because of that. Yeah. And so you have to have the police... Uh, protect those people from the extremists. And then secondarily to that is if they're not going to protect those people, um, those people have a right to self-defense and that needs to be affirmed. And this gaslighting like, oh, you were conspiring to do violent stuff is bullcrap. Everybody knows there are uh, assessments from the U.S. Army and the Department of Homeland Security about the anarchist extremists starting these conflicts. And so... We have to beat this for those reasons. So finally, I want to ask you a two-part question about how people can support you. 
And I want you to think of it distinctly in two parts. One, from people who do generally support your political worldview. And I know that we have people in our audience that vary enough that are, are closer aligned to you than to me politically. Um, and I don't want to take any of your time right now, you know, debating that again. It's, I know both for both of us, it's, 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 I hope it's as tempting for you as it is for me. Hopefully in the future, maybe when all the dust is settled, we'll have you on for a, a recap in a couple of weeks for the trial itself. And then, and then maybe a month or two later, when you're really settled, we can have you back on for a fun debate. We'll see how that goes. But um, for now, how can people support you? Part one, if they completely support your worldview, no holds barred, what's the most important thing they can do to support you or all the things they can do to support you? And part two, for people who object to your worldview completely, and 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 I want to think, I want you to think about like to the Antifa people who are there, you know, to, to the people or the the Antifa, maybe the broader Antifa sympathizers is maybe a more realistic target for your answer. But I, I want you to think really, is it what can people like that do to support you just in holding this legal line? And and and, and why should they? So Two parts, people supporting you wholeheartedly, no holds barred, you know, supporting your worldview and people who want to support you sort of in isolation in this case and how you're standing up for free speech right now. Okay. First thing, um, the legal battles are very expensive. I mean, we're fighting people who normally sue corporations. They're hired by hedge fund managers and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so we need to raise a lot of money to compete. Um, you can go to GiveSynGo dot com forward slash utr that's utr for unite the right it's a great christian fundraising site it's uh supported a lot of conservative causes and it's been very supportive of free speech uh you can also if you want options to mail in like cash uh check money order uh you can send that to my attorney and his address and also my my crypto address if that's more convenient for you can be found at jasonkessler.us uh, forward slash donate. So that's givesingo.com forward slash UTR and jasonkessler.us forward slash donate. Now, second, um, you know, I actually, I, the Antifa, they hate me about as much as anybody. They hate me uh, as much as Andy No or something, um, probably more than even Richard Spencer. But I still see some of them agree with me sometimes because at the end of the day, uh, a lot of them got hurt too. And this was because of what these police did with the stand down. The guy who drove his car into the crowd, you know, who I had nothing to do with, no one who organized the rally had anything to do with that guy. But he would not have been able to do that if the police had done their jobs. That street was supposed to be closed down. They left one police officer who's really like a school resource officer there by herself guarding that street. She got scared and left. So it was completely undefended. You know, um, people on both sides were begging these police, please step in. And so what's happening with this lawsuit and with this propaganda campaign against the, uh, the, the permit holders is that it's an easy scapegoat. It's easy to say, especially for people who don't like what we were saying, that it's their fault, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, 
most of the people they're suing can't even afford attorneys. So what are they what are they going to do to these people? They're not going to get any money out of them. What they're doing is they're trying to protect the city from liability. And if they do that, we will never get the answers. The, this thing is so mm. corrupt. These the the police chief and the city manager who ordered the stand down, they destroyed their text messages. Those are public documents. They destroyed the evidence of what they did, and we have to get at that. And the only way that that can happen is if I'm able to beat this thing. Man, the suggestion of a unite the everybody instead of unite the right is very exciting here. Uh, with that, I, I just want to say, you know, we're over time for you and, and we greatly appreciate it because I know you've got a lot of stuff on your plate right now. Probably a lot of interview requests. We're really grateful that you could take the time with us. Um, I hope we can have you back on. Uh, it, we'll be in communication. I hope more by text. Um, at, at this point, is is I mean, your last words, sir? Any anything you want to say to to, to close out tonight? Uh, well, if you want to read more about this, uh, I've written a number of articles uh, about the case and about the rally on uh, VDare. You can see all my articles at jasonkessler.us. Um, you can also uh, find me on Telegram uh, at The Mad Dimension um, and on Twitter at The Mad Dimension. Um, also on Gab uh, at Jason Kessler. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Man, I, I don't know if I need to smoke more to talk about this more, but goddamn. Heavy subject, heavy shit, and, and very, ooh, mm, mm, mm. very many words I could insert after the word very. Mm. I think we're going to take a few I, minutes here to dissect this. Let's get, let's get, uh, let's get the whole crew up on screen. Uh, I got a few things that I want to, I want to pick it. apart. Uh, we are, we're, we're not going to go to, we, we're definitely a little behind schedule for the show tonight. We're going to not go more than, than 10 minutes pulling this apart and then do our three short bonus segments. Uh, but Ed, you look, you look like you're ready. Well, you know, when I was first introduced to this story, it was by the first phone call Mr. Cantwell sent you. And that's what I heard to begin with. And then you filled me in with some of the other particulars of the story. I never went and researched any of it. Then I heard the second call of Mr. Cantwell's. Now, I, I'm a little familiar with the story, what went on and everything, but I didn't pay a lot of attention to it because I was very busy at the time. And most of the information I have about Mr. Cantwell has been from his own mouth and listening to what he said on the the conversations to you and i don't see anything objectionable offensive i mean if you weren't told anything about white supremacy or white nationalism or any of that stuff you wouldn't know that it that it had anything to do with any of this i mean it almost doesn't seem like they're related to it does to well, i want that thank you, you Ed, for bringing that because one of the subjects i wanted to address very directly okay. here go ahead because there is an element of racism. And Jason said there were people there who were absolute self-identified well, white nationalists as part of that. Virginia. Why? They, no, 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 but hold on. Hold on. I'm not. Yeah. Well, sure. It's um, That's where the racists live. I lived uh, in that area. For Virginia is for lovers. 
and racists. And uh, but no, stop. Okay, hold on, hold on. So, the, the, but this issue of to what degree is there uh, an element of racism, race realism? So, it, it, Jason said he is not at, in any way an ethno status. Right. But when, and, and I didn't want to pick this apart with him, but I could have. Right. When he says white people need more representation, uh, you're not going to say this. Your your statism is based on ethnicity. Yes, exactly. Sorry. You can say, well, it's not that I want a state of, I'm not an ethno-separatist statist. I'm not like most ethno-statists. I am personally going to say that that term fits. You're in my umbrella of of ethno-statism. Now, even if you as, don't self-identify, I, I, I know plenty of racists that, that, that don't identify as racist. That as, doesn't mean they are. As I made the distinction earlier, for most of them, it's not an extermination, an eradication, a hateful thing. But they were chanting, Jews will not replace us at the Charlottesville rally carrying tiki torches. Yeah. And they will d- downplay. Well, for us, tiki torches was fire safety and it was an American oh. tradition and not a big deal. They're yelling, Jews, I'm fucking Jewish. Like, no, there's, there's fucking, there, there's a race element to this. I, like, it is undeniable and it is fucking gross. It is wrong. Race or religious. It is absolutely two. fucking wrong. Doesn't change my impression of it. So uh, hold on, hold on. That I heard hold that on, let me. Trying to be heard with. Let me, the sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. The, the, so it doesn't mean that having that opinion doesn't mean you have all the rights as every other human being to be heard yeah. and, and civil liberties and should be treated in, in so many ways equally under the bullshit system that we live under today, et cetera, et cetera, right? But the media takes that grain of legitimate, disgusting, racist political ideology that for, for most of them, I think the worst of it is a, a, a sort of derogatory, benign, sort of more personal supremacist, compensating for weak ego bullshit, ethno-separatist, ethno-statist type of shit. It, 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 it's the, you need to put Neo in front of Nazi because they're, they're not Nazis. Like, they're not... They're, it's different. It's not your grandpa's Nazis, all right? You know, but it's, it's, it's still... Less, there's less... There's as the world want to has murder become, people and more of a want to control them, which is, is a dick move, but not a not a violent, as, aggressive... As the thing. world yeah. has become more peaceful and compassionate, so have its assholes. Yeah. So have the Nazis. Yeah. And this is who they are today. And there are less of them and they're less vicious. But this is what it is today. There is an element of racism. And there's there's absolutely and I, I will say squarely by my definition, it is absolutely crossing a moral line when it is brought into statism. When it, when coercion based on anything ethnic is introduced, fuck you. Fuck you. There's no error. Or, no hold for you. But there's there's an extra element of disgust of we're gonna yeah. we're gonna use the state in some way to steer coercion based on race. Fuck you. No holds barred. Fuck you. Yeah. Hashtag not my team. But does that person belong? Right. Right. No. Bars? Just make it, that's that's what I need <coughs> to make. Right. No. And that's what Ed needs to appreciate that 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 really is a now that's not necessarily white supremacy. That's not necessarily ethnostatist. That's not necessarily Nazi. That's not necessarily, like Chris Cantwell is is an ethnostatist flavored anarcho capitalist. He's still at heart more of an anarcho capitalist. I don't care. He's what closer he... to a Hoppian than 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 a Nazi. He doesn't want socialism. He doesn't want. I mean, his views have 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 
ping ponged. <laughs> As do everybody. You know, over the last few years, and, and within some funny lanes, sure. right? Um, and he would argue with me on that, of course. The topic doesn't matter to me. I feel anybody has the right to express themselves verbally in any way they want to. There's a lot of groups of idiots out there. There's a lot of individual idiots out there. White supremacist, flat earther. I put them all in the same category and they don't impact me really. Well, the thing is, okay. it doesn't matter who this they are. Mr. The government gra the government grabbed them. Right. The government right. grabbed them right. because their views are ugly oh, yeah. and put them on the front lines of the free speech fight. They can get people I got that. And you so know they what? Can knock down Pot smokers everywhere be like, first Next time, week. first time. Right. Like, no, this is this is a typical government propaganda uh, thing. I mean, and, and I hate to relate everything to cannabis, but it does. Uh, that was all a racist thing. That was, oh, we can easily, people are kind of icky about Mexicans right now, so we can easily get the public behind this drug war thing if we call this stuff marijuana and talk about all dark-skinned people and how they're going to steal our white women. And and it worked. And, and it worked with fear. And and it's it's anything you can sensationalize. And I'm not comparing that. I mean, racism can be very dangerous, especially if your ideology gets spread to the point where people are actually wanting to go out and do harm to people based on their race. So two different complete yes. things, two completely yes. different things, this, the same government ooh. tactic of propaganda, ooh. and how can we get the public in on it? You just raised a bigger question for me that I think contextualizes this perfectly, Joey, that sees us not as outsiders or commentators, but as the mainstream of society, the mainstream of society, we must ask, how do we address people like this? We go after them the right way, not the wrong way. We don't fight fire with fire. We fight fire with water and using the state against people for having racist thoughts is still crossing that moral line. How do we dress? How do we as humanity, as a compassionate society, address the continuing lingering problem of ethnostatism as an umbrella term of racism and it's not going after these people with the state no it is not saying not. well you don't have these rights because you're a racist or because you have unpopular ideas or because we can make them look more racist than they are and blow them up into something they're not jim i know you got thoughts uh not really i mean you guys have you know beat the horse to death i mean what do you want from me you know what i mean i i obviously hope that their uh case brings more light to uh freedom of speech and and freedom of expression because i the only thing probably i agree with them on is that you know uh negative speech is supposed to be protected freedom of speech is freedom of speech the the mo moving my lips and making a noise is never supposed to land me in a cage for any reason. You know what I mean? Well, let, 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 hold on. Let me let me put a finer threat. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, yeah. let me put a finer point on Jim's Jim's issue here philosophically, and connect it to another hot topic current event: Alec Baldwin's shooting on the movie set. And we don't know the exact circumstances. We don't know to what degree he's liable. Well, one of the arguments in his defense. Right. Everybody does everybody know the basics that he was there was a shooting on set that mm -hmm. Alex Baldwin or Alec Baldwin was on set. He was handed 
in this this in and of itself. They keep calling it a prop like gun. Never should have happened. They handed him gun. a live loaded gun. gun. He was practicing a performance move with it. Killed and killed someone. Good that had just fired person, a few right? times prior. So right. So the, and and there the are people arguing about well. He's responsible. He broke the first rule of gun safety, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. But, let, but, but let me, let me, there you were a lot of other people who contributed. And this is fine. Hold on. I don't want to get too much into this. I just want to raise this point as it relates to Charlottesville and Christopher Cantwell and Jason Kessler. What if it was someone who had never touched a gun before? What if it was a young teenager and you brought them to the firing range and a firearms instructor? or someone calling themselves that, hands a novice, someone who's never touched yep. a real gun in their life, a loaded gun, says, it's not loaded. It's okay. Go ahead and do whatever you want. Play with it. And he accidentally kills somebody with it. I feel it. bad. Whose fault is that really? He's going to live right? with that, too. So that in that case, so, that. so in terms of the Alec Baldwin case, there's a spectrum. We don't know yet how much he's actually responsible here. How much do we treat him like a child? I, I don't want to get into that. That's not my point. But the reason I'm bringing this up is, Speech is liability, can be a liability, right? If a firearms instructor says to a novice, okay. it's unloaded, go ahead, do what you want with it. I see your point. They are liable in that accident, maybe not deliberate murder, but accidental manslaughter. So in that sense, this is what they are, this is what government is trying to conflate here. They are trying to say that Christopher Cantwell and Jason Kessler's political speech that led their followers to do criminal things makes them liable as if they were a firearms instructor handing that to a kid. I say bullshit. The other people in that situation Trump's not are liable. liable for and and, and, and Jim raised that issue for me as he said that. So, Jim, is that sort of. Yeah, yeah, that was well said. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, who gets to? I, really, I really wanted to extrapolate on that so people could see then, another element of the, the the important legal line of defense involved in this case. Uh, I, but, but like I said, there's there's that's not just speech. That firearm instructor's speech alone is not what caused that that first time shooter to. They gave them the weapon somebody. that, that it, was it, loaded. And the action of handing him the gun and and right. walking like it, it's a multifaceted thing. Like and they're trying the to say they're trying to Martin say that Cantwell and Kessler's political speech is just as criminal, and that's a bullshit. It's story. not. They yeah, didn't walk. Totally they didn't hold anybody's hand. Who they gets to draw? So that's what they're not, trying to pin on. That's basically that. what they're trying to pin on. Who much, gets to draw? They're trying to say that they're just as liable for that. Way. If Who they passed, everybody had a gun and put them on a bus. A jury does, Ed. A jury of your peers. In a fucked up, corrupt legal system. Yeah, I've seen and that theories. brings me to the last point here, oh. if I may, wrap this up to move on. I am not an unbridled, enthusiastic supporter of the defendants in this case. I am not, but in this case, I am supportive of them defending this line. Well, they're right, and and I I I don't know how I feel about supporting Jason Kessler uh, materially, substantially, and hiring attorneys. But I do say I want Christopher Cantwell to have money for as much uh, uh, jail commissary as he can as, as he can eat. He's a human. I he want should... him to have yeah. pencils and notebooks and whatever he can get from that during this time. Um, I know we don't have a huge audience, so me saying this is not going to 
divert a ton of money to him, send him 20 bucks. Nobody, don't break your bank for it. If you don't have 20 bucks, don't send him 20 bucks. If you got 20 bucks and you want to throw in a little for this case, send Cantwell 20 way, bucks. You have a nonviolent offender behind yeah. bars, and that's, that's not acceptable he should, in he a should, free society. He not should have a few hundred dollars in his commissary. Please, let's get him that. Do we know uh, how? Do we know how you can showing them be our like company. a listener in the case? You guys were talking about being able to listen in. Do we yes. know? Can we? If we're not going to, can we direct our audience so that one of them might have the opportunity to listen to it and record it for us? Cantwell mentioned how to find that earlier. It might have been the other interview. Um, Jim, let's just make sure we get that in the show notes. If you know after this, and we'll probably excuse me clip out this coverage of the show for just a separate so video we'll put it in two hours yeah. that's it I, I think i think we've we've been this horse to death it's been intense it's been fun uh but i let's let's give uh, give a round of closing thoughts on on charlottesville here jim uh my i have nothing else to say on charlottesville i my update relies on my granddaughter's now grabbing her toys Oh, hey, sweetheart. She she's two no. months old now, and she's grabbing at her toys that are above her. Like she's starting to already, uh, you know, understand that. Oh, these are my tools. Hey, speaking of granddaughters, did I mention I installed a wood stove this week? Anyway, okay, <laughs> final thoughts on Charlottesville, Ed. Final thoughts on Charlottesville. Uh... Wow. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's that complex, and it's hard to jump out there and say something without having to alienate half of the people watching, even if there's not very many. <laughs> uh, everybody has a right to speak, but the problem is, is we have elected officials that are willing to use, you know, technicalities to screw us in any way they want to. I mean, over and over and over again, this is the same issue. It's why we that's why we go off grid and we get away from them because we want to make them obsolete <laughs> and just replace them with ourselves. There's nothing government can really do for us that we can't do for ourselves. And Charlottesville, <laughs> that's back east the Easterners are different. I mean we're out west. Oh that's yeah, I kept hearing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you got a real party <laughs> mouth. Yeah. yeah. All right, Joey. So uh, I lived 40 minutes outside of Charlottesville for a year. As soon as the lease was over, I got the fuck out of there because it's beautiful. It's beautiful until you live there. And I, I'm not surprised what happened in Charlottesville mm -hmm. happened in Charlottesville. But that being said, that's what you hear every day I, it's a college town so depending on the time of day if the college kids are out of course it's different because they're from everywhere but to, to single out and arrest any one or two people over what is typically the culture in that area to begin with no nope yeah so next week we will be coming back to this one way or another uh we we have uh both Jason and, and Christopher who might come back. And uh, I hate to, to be going to my text. Ah, I can't do it. We had, we had someone else 
uh, who's been covering it, who's going to give us another perspective on this. We're going to come back one way or another, at least give you an update next week. Get more into a little bit about the material of the case and accusations because that's where they're going to be in the trial since I believe as of today they are just concluding uh, jury selection or they just did. Um, so there's still a ways to go here. At least, at least I, I can't imagine this being less than a few days of, of actual trial at this point. But anyway, that's our Adam versus the man coverage of Charlottesville for the week. Get me back full screen. Now, if I was really organized for the show, I would have given Jim a graphic to put on when we were playing that Christopher Cantwell interview, and I would have taken a piss. But since I didn't and I'm not, we are going to make this last part of the show very quick. We have three special segments <laughs> to wrap up the show, and then we'll get to Ed's ombudsman segment uh, to, to begin that tradition properly. To play anyway? Well, no. Oh, well, we could, but no, you know what? We went we're, – we're, this is – so we're working up to that. We're doing a two-hour show. We're not doing the four-hour show yet. I, I told I told up, Ed we would be I'm two hungry. hours. So that's You're great. hungry. That's great. I got it. My bladder's like really full. Like like it's starting to it's starting we're to hurt. Okay, stop. Like Shut up. Let me finish the show. <laughs> you were not playing clips, but there have been clips up since you've been gone on <laughs> schedule at odyssey.com slash at Adam Kokesh. Check it out. Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E, Joey. Thank you for getting that in. Maybe Jim can do producer notes while I go and pee or something. And I don't know if you guys have stuff to promote. But here are my last three segments. We're going to go through them very quickly. First, I want to promote The White Rose. And it's t.me slash join the white rose. And this is a rebirthing, a bringing back, what's the word, of the branding of the World War II resistance yeah. effort. Uh, well, like Homefront Battle Buddies is using that branding that I originally, it's a revival of a brand. That's it, revival, revival. bringing it back. It's, it's the revival of the brand that I use for the peer support group for Rock Veterans Against the War. Remember, Homefront Battle Buddies, I mean, I came up with it, but I actually came up with it for something else before this. <laughs> it was brand that's sitting in my back pocket. No, but the White Rose. Sitting in humanity's back pocket was this wonderful branding from the resistance from World War II. And so now they're doing COVID resistance as a stickering club. It's I, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. They have a Telegram channel. They do their propaganda stuff. There's online memes. There's a, there's a meme effort, I guess. It's cool. Um, which is stickers for the internet. We should have started calling them that. You know how we have stickers? You tell grandma, what's a meme? Well, it's a sticker for the internet. For the internet. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a meme. It's, a, it's right. an internet sticker. Um, has no one said that before? I don't think so. I've never heard that before. Someone must have said that you before. Did you I, did it. It sounds original to us, but someone must have said that. Yeah. I can't be the first one to Stickers for the internet, you know, so memes. But, so the, but the White Rose is sending out free stickers. I just got them in the mail today. Go to t.me slash join the White Rose. I'm just going to read a few of these. Resist the new normal. If the situation was hopeless, their propaganda would be unnecessary. Mm -hmm. By the way, I picked these up at the post office this afternoon and promptly stuck one on the door that everybody has it's right when you go and open the handle to the post office there's a sticker right above your hand with a picture of v for vendetta uh -huh. and it says people should not be afraid of their governments governments should be afraid of their people um so i put it on a government building obviously because i'm afraid of the post office i think when they put when, when they come with the FEMA coffins it's the it's 
USPS that's going to deliver you into the, the anyway. Uh, that's my own bullshit conspiracy. I have to come up with crazy new conspiracy theories because all my old ones came true. If you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes truth scratched Ooh. out. No, COVID nineteen. With an homage to yes. PhD. Look at that. I love I love this guy memes. The like fifties cartoon guy ditched the muzzle. Um, then we got a picture of a guy in a hazmat suit in a mask saying. This is the person calling you a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I, I love this. The most ridiculous misinformation. Uh, sorry, I got. I was trying to read it with the light behind it. The most ridiculous misinformation of all is that career politicians, pharmaceutical companies, and corporate media outlets care about your health and well-being. That was a I love it. Subway I love it. Um, in a real pandemic, people wouldn't be arguing over whether it's real or not. <laughs> Imagine still believing any of this is about stopping a virus. Nope, nope, nope. Face masks are the new tinfoil hats. <laughs> the media is the virus. Agree. The obedient always think of themselves as virtuous rather than cowardly. And they are wrong. Speaking of Telegram, t.me slash the, join the White Rose. That's it. It's on every sticker and they have a little QR code, whatever this is. They have, they have a little bot. I think it's in the sticky in their Telegram group. If you go into that, um, in Telegram, you can print you them can, out. No, no, no. Or you print your own. Fuck yeah. Let me, uh, let print me your own. share that. The, 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 the art, you can find all this. Go to their Telegram channel. They have a bot that you send your address to, and then stickers appear in the mail for free. And they delete your address, supposedly. Magic. I don't really care. No, this shit's secret anyway. But there is an element of, of covertness to this, and I love it. I love the stickering campaign. I've already I got these today. I've already put two of them up. They're going in my fanny pack with my Homefront Battle Buddies palm cards and my business cards. That is that is my new propaganda kit. Uh, so Telegram, quickly. Um, I figured out how to use Telegram properly, finally, with folders. It's amazing. And I, and, the, and I love it. I love it. So you go into Telegram, you create a folder, and you do it on your phone. It's actually easier on your phone than on the desktop version. It's a little more, it's a few more clicks. It's a little more convenient, actually, on your phone. You can create a folder, create multiple folders, and you can add chats to them. So right now, Telegram, for me, is the best messaging and media stream and news app by far all in one and it's a public inbox you can find me on there at, in my groups and message me directly and it won't interrupt my day and you're not part of my normal feed you're my general inbox and i might get to that every other day when i'm going through all my what's it's an email day you know but i have a priority one where joey and ed are where my groups are for uh for adam versus the man for home from battle buddies for the chats for those um, for all of my personal, anytime someone messages me and I was like, oh, I want you to be in my personal text message category, select chat, add to the priority folder. Then I have another folder for feed. And in my feed, I have the, um, I, I have, um, all of my sort of like, uh, I have RT Russia today news. I have the Alex Jones channel, the Ron Paul channel. I have, I, I, I'm really not doing it 
my own i'm really making myself sound like an idiot like those are the three i follow but no there's 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 a ton more i have a, a balanced news, sure, I, get all my news i have news sources that i like voluntarist memes that's the channel i want to plug they're my favorite on telegram and on those i have the notifications muted so it's like when i want to go to my feed i go to my news feed folder and it's the channels i want to follow in chronological order like it should have been on facebook the whole fucking time and with that I'm going to save my fabulous segment for next week because we're over time and I need to put more time into that segment of another week's experience with the app. If you want to jump ahead, you're in the producers club. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a really cool app. It's called fabulous. It's a personal organization to do list. I've been using it for a little over a week now. It's great. Next week, I'm going to do like a 10 minute segment, a full review. And if you want one of my guest passes, cause I signed up for the premium for $4 a month, you get a month free. Join our producers club. Support this. Support us on Patreon. If you give us, if you throw us a dollar on Patreon, say I want to be in the producers club, we'll add you to our producers club. It's really fun, kind of behind the scenes. Um, we, we there are some little, and this is one little, very small perk. You know, a four dollar value for five lucky people in the producers <laughs> club. But no, we do. We have fun discussions, and I look at the producers club as one of my priority feeds. And the producers club is where I get news from people who are fans of the show that they want me to share on the bigger platform. With that, I'm going to go pee. Jim is going to do the producer notes. We're going to come back for ombudsman. We're coming back for ombudsman Ed's going on. Uh, I got my screen share still going on. I, I've literally had to remember how to run StreamYard. That's what happens when you're gone for two weeks. But I hope you guys have checked out Odyssey. We got everything going on over there. Uh, I've been loving the uh, man on the street videos that so many people have been asking for. So I know uh, it's been confusing to some people because we haven't been on YouTube through Adam's channel with 260,000 subscribers. It probably confuses a lot of people, but there's a method to the madness and you're supposed to be following him for all of his most recent and gripping content on Odyssey. Let me show it to you one more time so you can see what it looks like when you get there. When you scroll to the top, it's got a real obvious branding, Adam vs. Man. You can follow it very easily. And like I said, he's got all kinds of man-on-the-street videos from when he was in Vegas. He's going to be getting more content and uploading that. So definitely look forward to that. And uh, that's all I got for producer notes. Let's move over to ombudsman ed what's up buddy how's it going jim how are you my friend another day in paradise you know how's falcor doing oh he's doing he's uh he's bugging me to go out come here you want to say hi here let's bring him over here can we see him oh we can't see him there he yeah. is jim's house just falcor yeah. jumping up and down and just Really happy to see me. He's a fantastic dog. He really would. He didn't like me to start with, but after a while, he got to liking me. And man, it's really something. He's very <laughs> big. All right. Hi. Welcome back. We're we're on the ombudsman section. Yes, the ombudsman. And that was section. quicker than I thought it was going to be. Good job. You know, it's hard to catch Adam when it comes to mismanagement. I mean, because it's what ombudsman's just supposed to be. They're supposed to be monitoring the upper echelons for mismanagement. Uh, 
he he does a pretty good job, you know, for somebody that's got emperor of his own domain. I mean, <laughs> it is tempting to be wrong, <laughs> but I choose to be right. Yes, yes, he chooses to be right. He he, he does a very good job. Adam is very astute at coming up with things that I, I notice and I don't see other people noticing, and he's pretty good at it. Also. You're supposed to be like the fact checker for the show. So the ombudsman thing, we're like warming up and trialing this out. Ed is going to learn how to like take notes and yeah, during the show. And I'm be sure like, if I had taken a couple of notes, I'd be show. hitting him up on a few things. But, you know, Adam, I have something else the that Ed's I would like to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed gets his part of the show. And you know what? I'm going to make it interesting to anybody out there that's watching. Okay. Uh, Adam, have you seen any of the news lately about the Revolver report on Ray Epps? Is that? Just what you told me about it, actually. Who is Ray Epps? Who's Ray Epps? Ray Epps is an uh, elderly gentleman, a veteran, uh, Oath Keeper member from, I think, Moon Valley. Moon Valley, Paradise Valley area in northern Phoenix. And uh, I've been to meetings of the Oath Keepers when he was in attendance, back when I was an official Oath Keeper. But I haven't been an official Oath Keeper for a long time now. Now, recently, Revolver News has come up with a, a, an expose on this guy and how he was uh, uh, instigating people to go into the Capitol in D.C. on January 6th. Okay, mm. I've seen some of these videos and I've seen him do it. You know, he's in amongst the BLM people at BLM Plaza trying to get them to go into the Capitol. And he, this guy, they, when I first found out about this story, it was watching uh, Steve Bannon's War Room. Okay. And Bannon had somebody on from talking about this revolver thing. And he was saying that this Ray Epps is is uh, Stuart Rhodes' deputy and his right-hand man and and uh, a leader in uh, Arizona Oath Keepers and all this stuff. And it's like, man, where's he getting all this information? You, you didn't get a I guest? Have... <clears throat> get one of them as a guest for next week? What's that? You can get one of them as a guest for next week. Whatever. Cover... It. Well, either Stuart or Epps, ideally, but... Well, I, I don't know if I could, you know, find contact with them. Epps is... Dodging anybody that's chasing him down. They, I saw a video where they chased him at his home into his See, driveway, I, so, so, trying to get him to answer questions. Yeah, and so, he split. Actually, so, and you know, the weird, weird thing is, is, is when Revolver came out with the story exposing him, the FBI scrubbed him from the most wanted list. You know who might even be better, not as sensational, but the the person who wrote the story, the yeah. author of that Revolver article. Let's get them on. Yeah, well, good luck, because a lot of these people are only be doing what they want to do and for their own purposes. And I'm starting to, I'm starting to wonder about Steve Bannon now, because this is this is a lot of wrong information I know is personally wrong, and they're running with it like it's real. And in the past couple of days, I've seen these references to the same stories everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everywhere, and it's just I don't like the the direction that this is going. I really yeah. don't. All right, thank you, Ed. Last last thought on that. There was I saw a meme. I got I got to say I love just a quick sure. shout out to whoever put this together. It was a picture of three newspaper front pages, and it had a picture. Well, it had a COVID 
headline of the narrative like falling apart of some bullshit and then a picture of a woman in a red dress like tabloid photo of like a celebrity and then next it says neo right were you paying that. attention or are you we looking at the, the woman in the red dress that's yeah, in our channel t.me slash adam versus the man check it out joey any final thoughts uh no no I'm good I'm good for today all right I'm good you're awesome for today I'm welcome awesome home. all the day I'm I'm so ready happy to, to have you get around the fire I'm happy to be home yeah I want a fire past joints not joints. all right let's go yeah, let's let's peace and love y'all choose happiness be excellent to each other.